John. Yes, Harry. You like music, don't you? Yes, I'm a huge fan of music. You got cool headphones, right? I do now have some very cool headphones, yes. Are they good? Do you like them? Yeah, they're super cool. <laughs> well, listeners, uh, we're proud to say that we have our first sponsor this week. We do, yes. We are now sponsored by Studio. Free the sound. That's their tagline. Wow. They've given us a pair of Regent headphones, mm-hmm. which John, you've been using for about a week, I think. Yeah, I'm loving them. So Studio is a Swedish company, which I'm always happy to support. Um, mm-hmm. They specialise in wireless headphones, and they've given us a pair of their Regent headphones, which are over-ear ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good. I've used them as well, and I can recommend them, especially for podcasters, because... Yes, they're wireless, but they do also come with a wire, <laughs> meaning you can plug them in and you get zero latency sound, essentially sound without a delay, mm-hmm. which is perfect for podcasting. Because you try speaking when there's a little bit of delay on your voice, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You just don't know until you try. Mm-hmm. They do offer some other headphones as well. They've got some headphones, Trey Black, mm-hmm. T-R-E, is that just Trey? Trey, yeah, sure. Cool, I don't know. Which are small wireless in earphones connected with a wire. And they do also have some ones called Neva, which is... Nivo. Nivo? Yeah, the little O. The little O over the A. It means Nivo. Okay, sure. And they are uh, little earphones, which are not connected by anything. They're very, very small. They look really good, actually. Hmm. So, yeah, they've got different earphones and headphones suited for everybody. Yeah, no, I've really been enjoying walking around listening to my music without those pesky wires hanging around over my neck. <laughs> Great sound quality. They look fantastic. They come with adjustable caps so i've got some lovely marble effect on my ears which oh yeah you can extra sell, yourself, swishy, yeah. sell himself can you mm-hmm. yeah good and yeah if you are an old fogey like me you can also i can also plug them into my old school ipod because they do come with a detachable aux cable mm-hmm. so you yeah. should admit you're an old fogey after all these years <laughs> for all these years <laughs> <laughs> now i'm really down with the kids which is why i've been chosen to sponsor this hip new headphone brand um, <laughs> with my old like 2007 ipod that i'd mostly be listening to <laughs> so yeah great that was studio just go to studio.com and yep. uh, you'll you'll find them oh and if you use the the offer code box set you will get 15 percent off we have an offer code you didn't tell me this oh. so if you go to studio.com and enter the offer code box set b o x s e t. You'll get fifteen percent off any purchase of headphones. That's so, pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. So you can thank us for that. Cool. On with the show. Great. Right, John. So you're stuck on a desert island. Uh huh. At the end of the world. Uh huh. And you can take three items with you. Okay. What do you take? So am I alone on this desert island? Uh, let's say I'm there. Okay. Let's forget if I get to take any items. That's not part of it. What do you get? Oh, so you've been there changes the game a little bit. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess a really, really, really long book. <laughs> okay. Like War and Peace or something. You're going to get bored. Right? Okay, okay. A book? Yeah. I'm guessing nothing electronic. How are you going to cope? Nothing electronic. You'll just kill yourself. So I'm essentially be alone after the first hour of you realising there's no electronics. Mm-hmm. Some form of weapon? Like a point of spear or something? To be used against me, I guess. No, no, it's a hunt. Hunting the other thing. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Well, maybe sure. it's used against you. I don't know. Fine. Depends if you piss me off or not. Um, number three? Uh, maybe like a Yankee candle? A Yankee candle? Yeah, just make it smell nice. Okay, so you're going to go with a book, a spear, and a candle. Yes. <laughs> cool. I think I'll do well. <laughs> right, well, there's many things that I have not specified here. I've not specified how big the island is. Okay, that's true. Um, and I've not specified how big an item you can take. Oh, okay. You. So I'm going to take... You know what? I'm going to be nice. I'm going to take a box of matches for your Yankee candle. Thank you. Because <laughs> you clearly missed that. <laughs> I'm going to take the Netflix servers. Oh, okay. 
What are you going to plug them into? They got my solar panels. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> um, and uh, finally, I'll take a spaceship. How big is this island if it's got room for a spaceship? I didn't specify. So is this island actually like the UK? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I mean, spaceships are smaller than like whales. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, you know, Okay. you didn't ask the rules. So can I come with you to space? Or? Oh, no, it's only got one chair. Oh, man. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels, and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry. Joining me as always is John. Hello. And this is, I believe, the final week of our season of directors turned actors. Actors turned directors. Yes. Whatever, yes. Whatever, whatever it is, you specify. I don't yep. know. I thought there was some confusion with this film, though. Yeah. Which well, I'm sure you've looked up. Yeah. So, well, first of all, tell us what film you've chosen, because this was your choice. This is your fault. Oh, my fault. <laughs> um, it was uh, Waterworld. Yeah. That, that that I thought was directed by Kevin Costner. Yeah. Turns out it wasn't. It was directed by someone called Kevin Reynolds. Mm-hmm. However, after further research, I have found out that actually it is a good way to end this little series because basically Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner had worked together before on other films, including okay. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. But on this film, they clashed. Terribly, they fell out. They argued constantly because Kevin Costner allegedly was being a huge backseat director. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Reynolds actually quit the film in post-production, leaving Kevin Costner to finish the film. Right. So in a, in, a, in the sense that he basically took over the whole production, he did in many respects direct this film, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't credited as such. Mm. So actually, I think it's a pretty cool, interesting way to... Accident, not giving you credit for this, but accidentally, <laughs> it's a pretty cool, interesting way to end it. So, yeah. You sent me a text this week saying, Harry, you chose very well. That is true. Well, so, we'll, we'll what, get... what are you not giving me credit for? For the cleverness of choosing a film that wasn't technically directed by someone, but actually was. <laughs> I mean, come on. All right. Yeah. But uh, no, you did You did choose well. well. Tell us why you chose this, apart from well, uh, any other reasons. I, I looked it up on an inaccurate list. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I chose it. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, I, I heard about it that uh, this film was just a little bit off. Oh boy, and oh boy, was it. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this up front. When the first scene of this film was Kevin Costner drinking his own piss, <laughs> I knew we were going to have a good week. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to open a film. I know. Like, what a weird choice. Yeah, it literally opens. Well, it opens with the universal symbol, the globe, mm. and then it turns into the actual globe. Mm hmm which I found very confusing. Mm-hmm. And then it's got a very, very short voiceover that sounds like it was the guy who does all the trailers. You know, the in a world. Oh, I missed it. I think he literally said, in a world. Or, you know, he had like two lines of exposition, though. I missed this. Can we just look this up real sure, quick? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Real quick. The future. The polar ice caps have melted, covering the earth with water. Those who survived have adapted to a new world. So, this weird trailer guy, is he just narrating the whole film? No, he has like two sentences. It's such a weird setup. He just says, Where did I miss this? In the future, the ice caps have melted and the water levels have covered 95% of the planet. But some people have evolved to survive. And that's boom, that's it. It's like, <laughs> oh, all right, okay. That's the setup. Like, it could have just been like a text scroll. Mm. I don't know why they chose to make it trailer guy. Uh, and then from there, we then cut to a really tight close-up of Kevin Costner's bum. 
Yeah. Wearing these kind of circus pants. They're like a cross between, like, circus pants, I guess, mm. and whatever it was that Robin Williams was wearing in Hook. Sure, 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 yeah. So it looked vaguely nautical, but I just felt like he could have started juggling at any moment. Yeah. It was very much that. And then, yeah, and then he pisses into a cup, pours it into his contraption, and then he drinks it. So this is a rollicking family action film that begins with our hero, question mark hero, drinking his own piss. <laughs> question mark, indeed. Question mark hero, yeah. Anyway, well, okay, <laughs> but before we get too deep into the plot, because we're going to spend some time on the plot, what did you think of this film? Just broad opinions. Okay, if I were to put this film on a graph mm-hmm. of time against goodness, action, just how involved I was with this film. Sure. Starts off at zero, you know, because as all films should. Start from zero, yeah. Yeah. And then it starts off a little slower as that piss scene happens. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes right up with the action. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of slowly, gradually down. Mm-hmm. And then just a massive drop off a cliff at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This film baffles me. Who mm-hmm. made this? Multiple people, clearly, but how was this film made? Well, that's another thing with this film. I have a lot of interesting stuff about this film. So, I want you to guess how many drafts of the script of this film do you think there were? Six. Twelve. Fifteen? Keep going. Fifty. Down a bit. Thirty-six. Thirty-six? This film went through thirty-six drafting processes with six different writers. Boy, does it show. (laughs) (laughs) This film is incoherent. One of those writers was Joss Whedon. Well, I mean, it's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. There's 36 of them. Oh, sorry, six of them. Six writers, yeah. One of them was Joss Whedon, who was brought okay. in to do emergency rewrites. He described his experience of rewriting the film as seven weeks of a living hell, trying to make this film make sense. Wow. Yeah. He has form. Has he ever gone in and rewritten a film that went on to be successful? I don't think so. Because obviously like, Justice League yeah, happened as well. Justice yeah, Justice League. <laughs> like, mm. hey, this guy's got form. He, he just came off Waterworld. Like, yeah. <laughs> What's his name? I don't have a name. So death can't find him. Doesn't have a home or people to care for. Not afraid of anything. Men least of all. He's fast and strong like a big wind. He can hear a hundred miles and see a hundred miles underwater. He can hide in the shadow of the noon sun. He can be right behind you and you won't even know it till you're dead. This film is a complete mess. I think of Kevin Costner on the whole. His performance in this. First of all. <laughs> the things he does. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I want to talk about his hair. Or lack thereof. Yeah. I mean, I can very much sympathise, but the wet look is not kind to a thinning hairline. Like, no. It's really not. No, apparently he requested that his hairline get digitally re-altered. Yeah, if so, they didn't spend enough money on that. No. <laughs> what happened? What did they do? Maybe it was just like a flat no. Like, yeah. It's not going to happen, Kevin. He's so weird. What Kevin Costner films have you seen? Uh, Man of Steel. Sure. Um, I think I might have seen that Robin Hood. I don't know. Uh, seen The Horse Whisperer? I think so. Okay. I don't know. Not many. I don't really care for him. No. He's very plain. I mean, he's a strange one. He... Oh, um, Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Oh, you have seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I feel like in the 90s, there was no reason for a leading man to be particularly good looking or charismatic. Mm. Because he, I don't think he's either. Like if you could, if you were to ask me based on this film, what is Kevin Costner's appeal? Like, could you come up with anything? No. Like, <laughs> like, why is this man at this point in time, what you know, one of the top A list, you know, equivalent of like a DiCaprio or a Chris Pratt or a, you know mm. a Robert Downey Jr. today? Mm. You know, 
what could you point to at this just based on this film? You know, even if you don't particularly like someone, like I'm not the biggest fan of Julia Roberts, but mm-hmm. I can point to what Julia Roberts does and say, that is why people like her. Yeah. That is her appeal. Yeah. Doesn't work for me, but that is her appeal. What could you possibly say based on this film? is the appeal of Kevin Costner as a leading man in a film. I have no idea in the slightest. <laughs> I don't get it. Who do you cast instead? Anyone? Like, someone who could give any sense of joy or likability. Like, his character is profoundly dislikable. Like, prof- do you agree? Do you agree? Yeah. He is utterly repugnant. I mean, that's, that's heavily down to the writing as well. Oh, though. yeah. Like, the, not entirely the things his that fault. he does. Like, yeah. he murders... A lot of people. He does murder a lot of people, yeah. And, like, everybody's scared of him for the first half of the movie, thinking he's going to rape them or something. Justifiably so, yeah. Yeah. And, like, he's not a million miles away from that. No. Which led to my other question. Like, who do you think this film was for? God knows. Not kids. <laughs> Very much not kids. But yet, it's too ridiculous for adults. Yeah. For me, part of this film felt like... If you told me that this film was made up of randomly intercut scenes from three totally different movies. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the Kevin Costa scenes, which maybe come from some strange, futuristic, dystopian drama about a guy with severe autism mm-hmm. like, living on a boat. Then you've got the scenes at the Atoll, which is the, 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 the kind of community, oh, yeah. where everyone's just schmacking up a storm. <laughs> everyone's just really, like, hamming it up to the max in that place. Yeah. And then you've got also the plot line with Dennis Hopper, which we'll talk about, mm. which again, feels like a completely different movie. Mm. It, it felt almost like parts of it were dubbed. Like, it, they weren't, but you know what I mean? Like, it felt like a foreign <laughs> film that had dubbed. Like... Well, because just the tone was just so completely off. Yeah, the tone was so jarring, it went all over the place. Mm. It's very, very strange. I've got a proposition for you, Marina. I'm not staying. Oh, we're not asking you to. All we want is you see. We can look to our own for impregnation. But too much of that sort of thing, it's undesirable. If she's pregnant, you're going your way with all the supplies you need. You don't have anything. You're dying. So, oh my God, this film is just so... I, I don't know what to talk about because there's so much to talk about. Well, let's walk it's through the, the problem. Plot. Okay, let's okay. Let's walk through the plot. Okay. Want... okay, so we open, as I say, with a tight shot of Kevin Costner's buns. He's doing a... Doing a piss in a cup. He drinks his piss. Yeah. Which I felt like was a metaphor for the experience of watching this movie. Wow. Just wow. drink your own piss. I don't think it was that bad. <laughs> no, it wasn't it was awful. Painful, painful to watch. No, no, I enjoyed... Oh, I enjoyed this. It don't was, get me wrong. It was just confusing. I was, yeah, I was confused, but I was having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what drinking piss would be like for you? It would be confusing, but a great time. Ah, <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> You've got some... I'm not, into, I'm not into piss drinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway. See someone. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah, so Kevin Costner plays this character who never gets a name. He's just known as the Mariner. Mm-hmm. And he is a solo kind of sailor. He's on his little boat, well, his big boat, mm. kind of a souped up raft. It's a, on... it's a catamaran, isn't it? It's a catamaran, yeah, on the yeah. ocean. And okay, he's... okay, okay. Here's, here's the point. Okay. Um, how many boats were there that were just normal boats, like in very good condition, just like painted brown? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they pretty much all were where did all the jet skis come from this is supposed to be like a thousand years in the future oh oh yeah 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 I was that, that was on my list of things to talk about like why are people riding jet skis where did the jet skis come where's from where's the fuel where's the from? fuel <laughs> coming from yeah the, like the, 
these things they, they run on petrol or, yeah. or oil based products like, you can't even get enough fresh water to not have to drink his own piss and yet <laughs> somehow <laughs> somehow they're loading up all these jet skis with fucking diesel it's bizarre fresh water isn't that difficult to get no like you just need something that's gonna catch the evaporating water from the sea because it's clearly boiling wherever they are they're all sweating the whole time oh yeah 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 so the water is evaporating all the time catch the evaporated water it condenses it it drains into another dish clean water yeah simple as that you can do that from the sea. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Also, I'm told, humans can drink just a little bit of salt water every day and enough to make them survive. Really? I thought that was a big no-no if you were like, stranded on the ocean. That's like the plot of every ocean film ever. Like, don't drink the salt water. No, I just don't drink too much of it. I think you can drink like, a tiny, tiny bit. Okay. Well, I'm not certain I don't know if you true. can survive or not, or if you can just prolong your survival. Okay, Maybe. sure. Well, Maybe. I don't know. Don't. I'm no expert. Clearly, I've not been washed up on a desert island with three things. No. <laughs> Clearly. Um, <laughs> One of those things is matches, Netflix, and a spaceship. Yeah, that's a, you've got realistic survivalist plans, definitely. When the revolution comes, you're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe just like the taste of his own piss, then. Maybe that was just what he was into. Mm. Although there was a whole running plot point about them not having enough water for free people. Oh, maybe. That explains why he was growing limes. Because I was wondering, how much nutrients do you get from a lime? Sure. Probably not very much. And he looked like he put a lot of effort into growing three limes. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was just to give his piss some flavour. Yeah, very possibly. Absolutely, yeah. Because that did really confuse me. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, what's this guy just stolen from his plant? Yeah. Is that limes? <laughs> Why is he growing limes? Like, of all things you could grow well, maybe that's the only when thing you don't have any food. Remember well, it's the only thing you could find. Like, he bought, what did, he, he bought another tree. He bought he? a tomato plant. Yeah, sure. That makes much more sense. Totally, totally, yeah. But limes... Well, you know, when life gives you limes, piss drink, in a cup. Drink piss. That old, that old saying, yeah, drink it with piss. <laughs> <laughs> so he's floating around like he's just this like lone wolf, uh, running into people occasionally. Like He runs into a tra- another trader at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. who may or may not have been trying to lose his ship while he's been down mm-hmm. hunting, fishing, hunting fish yeah. in the water. And then they're attacked by some smokers, mm-hmm. which is the kind of roving gang of, I guess, pirates. Yes, slash the people who seem to have all the cigarettes in the world. Yeah. Okay, again, multiple centuries from now, how do they still have just roll-up cigarettes? Yeah. They're like, they're getting out of a box, they've got the brown bit on the end, so they're not just, it's not just tobacco they're covering in paper. Yeah. They're rolled up cigarettes. But where's the tobacco coming from? The the offy? Yeah. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. And they've all just got like infinite matches as well. Oh yeah. Again, we've just given like two minutes thought to what you take to a desert island. We weren't ridiculous, but still... Less ridiculous than what yeah. they did. <laughs> yeah, they played real fast and loose with like the logistics of a post-apocalyptic future covered in water. Yeah, like yeah. Why of all the things that have survived, some somehow like the cigarette industry has just thrived. Like, but it's not just like one guy was casually smoking a cigarette. They're all constantly smoking. Yeah, distractingly so. Yeah, yeah. hence why they're called the smokers. I get yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. What? <laughs> Do you think this film was actually sponsored by Laramie or something? Or well, like Super, Richmond Super Kings? I like... mean, the only brands that were in it were Jack Daniels. There was some Pepsi at one point as well. Oh, was there? I yeah. that. Inevitably, yeah. It's amazing they managed to get product placement into in, this. Into the 500 years <laughs> into the future, yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. Um, yeah. So they get attacked, then he fights them off, and then he goes to the Atoll, which is this kind of floating city where a community of people are kind of eking out an existence. Mm-hmm. There he meets Gene Triplehorn, Helen. What a name. What, her real name? Jean yeah. Triplehorn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's also in Basic Instinct. Oh, wait, sorry, that's the... That's, that's the, the actress's name, yeah. Oh, Jesus. The character's Helen. The actress is Jean Triplehorn, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, okay, that's brilliant. Um, that's that's just odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the film, she's, she's nowhere near as interesting. She's just called Helen. And she's just like a shop owner. 
Helen. Helen, yeah. Triple Horn is infinitely better. Yeah, but she can't be na- have her real name in the film. Why not? It's a better name. It is a better name. It's yeah. a more appropriate name for this she film. She does sound somewhat like a Marvel villain, doesn't she? Or Marvel, you know, yeah, Triple yeah. Horn, yeah. <laughs> uh, Never thought of that, but yeah. Anyway. She... Triple Horn, where is the third horn? Did that go on the top of the head like a unicorn? I mean, she gets naked in this film and we don't see it, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he meets her and a little girl that she cares for called mm-hmm. Enola, mm-hmm. who looks like a young Rachel Dolezal. Who? You know Rachel Dolezal, the white woman who thinks she's black? She was in the news like a year ago. It was like a whole big story. It was a white woman who had basically been like putting loads of fake tan on and wearing her hair in braids and basically living as a black woman. And not only as a black woman, but as a, a black activist. Essentially, And then she got found out that she had white parents and she, she called herself transracial and a lot of black people got quite pissed off like that's not a thing like, you can't be <laughs> have you really never heard of this nope okay so you never read the news do you no no so anyway this little girl to me looked exactly like her because they had painted this poor girl bright orange like like i get that everyone's supposed to like tan because it's like you know a hot world but they really went overboard mm-hmm. and she was wearing these like really ratty braids and she just looked to me like a baby rachel dollars on i'll put like a comparison picture up at some point on our oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah so he meets these two and among other people on this little on the atoll, mm-hmm. and then something happens, so he gets sentenced to death. What happens? Oh, uh, is it? He gets in a fight. Oh, 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 whoa, oh! Whoa, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> they find out. Okay, I just, re- I just remembered what it was, and it's possibly the loudest I've laughed at a film in a very long time. Mm-hmm. He gets sentenced to death because he gets into a fight, and in the course of the fight, they find out Kevin Costner has gills. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, how I laughed. (laughs) Behind his ear, he has developed gills and, we learn later, webbed feet. Yeah. (laughs) But not webbed hands somehow. Not webbed hands, no. Confusing that one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I screamed with laughter. (laughs) When that reveal, when they pull back his, like, ratty, like, thinning hair. Yeah. And there's just, like, this little baby vagina behind his ear. It's like... (laughs) So strange. Oh, I loved it. So he gets sentenced to death for reasons. And uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, because he gets into a fight with that guy. Because also, these are the good guys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These all of the more these are some of the more sympathetic characters yeah. in the movie. He gets into a fight with that guy who with the really bizarre hair. That does not specify. That doesn't specify. He appeared to be wearing like a 70s Jane Fonda wig. But he looked like he could be a cool 55. Why do you think a 70s Jane Fonda is going to help me in any way? Big 70s hair. Big 70s hair. Who is Jane Fonda? Who is Jane... Oh my God, come on. No, I'm not joking. Who is Jane Fonda? From Barbarella or Grace and Frankie? Uh, To be fair, the more I think about it, there's not a lot of Jane Fonda stuff you are liable to have seen. Well, there we go. Still, she's like a multiple Oscar winner. She's very, very famous. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Sure, we'll get to it one day. Anyway, <laughs> the guy, like, the, the, he has like super big blonde hair, like lino hair. Uh-huh. Do, do you know who I'm talking about now? No. The henchman. Just move on. Oh, fuck. Fine. I'm not going to remember. Fine, 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 fine. There are a lot of people in this film with a lot of looks. They are true. Okay, so anyway, Kevin Costa gets sentenced to death by being recycled. Uh, yeah. He gets put in a cage. And... So, so he's going to die and then he's going to fall down into what is essentially the su- their sewer which is going to turn into where they grow their stuff. 
Yeah, okay, so were you as confused by this as I was? Did you think that when they were lowering him down that that stuff was going to be like acid or something? No, 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 I just assumed it was sewage. Oh, okay, because... Because they already lowered like a dead body in there. They did, but then it was like the dead body disappears quite quickly. I mean, it goes well, under, so you can't really tell. Yeah, it just sinks. Sure, but it was only because they spent so very long with him just like being slowly lowered down into it. I know, yeah, why do it so slowly? Yeah, and then it was like, so then well, there's this whole for, like... for plot, I guess. Sure, sure, but then there's this whole kind of like, oh, he's getting closer, oh, he's getting closer, how's yeah. he going to get out of this one? Oh, Kevin, yeah. what are you going to do? So I thought it was going to, the ticking clock was for him to make contact with it and then it would burn him. But no, so after we wait like a cool five minutes for him to hit the stuff then he actually even more slowly sinks into it and then just spends like another five minutes just writhing around in just apparently just a load of shit like yeah it was both gross but also strangely underwhelming as kind of a peril for our hero like you know what i mean like it's like he's just covered in shit like yeah. i'm not i'm not really like heart and mouth here you know what i mean like mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah but then gene Triplehorn helen comes up and rescues him from the shits do we just call her triple horn let's just now? call her triple horn yeah oh because the smokers the Atoll gets attacked by these pirates, the Smokers. Yeah. Led by Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Who is my favourite character in this film. Yeah. Who is also clearly in 90% of his scenes filming them on a soundstage with no one else around. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. <it's> just... yeah. <laughs> like, there was a whole action scene happening with like all these extras running around and it would cut to just him on like the really cheesy like backdrop that was clearly made of like cardboard mm-hmm. and there was, he'd just be reacting to things going like oh no like <laughs> fire when ready like, <laughs> it was so bizarre yeah. so the whole ASOL is being attacked and in the confusion loads of people are getting killed there's a close up shot of a dead child do you remember this? Uh, no, no. So uh, when he arrives at the atoll, I'm going to skip around. He meets a bunch of children who are kind of like lost boys, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. these little ragamuffins. Mm-hmm. Anyway, while the fight is happening, you see a, a, just a quick close up of a single little girl who has been killed by the pirates. That girl was played by Kevin Costner's real life daughter. What? What? Yeah. So it's like, Daddy, Daddy, can what? I be in the film? Yes, you can play a corpse. <laughs> what? How fucked up is that? Bloody hell. Yeah. That is. Father of the year right there. Yeah, dark. So anyway, so while they're getting attacked, all this confusion's happening. Gene Triplehorn rescues Kevin Costner and... Oh, we missed a bit. There's so much plot in this. Okay, it's, uh, there's the old man who accidentally activates his hot air balloon and then he's the only person to get into it and he's just like, bye, I'll see you in an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah, he's basically... <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, there's an old man played by Derek Jaser, I think he's called, yeah. who is... Basically, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. It isn't that's well, basically his role. I was thinking more. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Kratkus Potts's dad in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, either or. I thought wonderful Wizard of Oz because obviously the hot air balloon scene when it's like, oh, sorry, it's it's floated away too soon. Bye. Mm. That happens in in the Wizard of Oz too. I don't really like the Wizard of Oz, but it's cool. Carry on. You don't like anything. So he's like Gene Triplehorn and the kids like protector and then he floats away in his balloon mm-hmm. so their only escape method has now been foiled so triple horn then goes and rescues kevin costner says if i free you can i come with you with my little girl he's like sure fine mm-hmm. so she unlocks him from the cage they make their escape and then they get away from the pirates in the course of this happening dennis hopper's character loses an eye <laughs> which also i don't remember happening no me neither like i don't think we did we see that at all i don't think we saw it. we only saw the aftermath which we, we just saw this really weird scene of there's this one guy in control of a machine gun who's just firing at the city just aimlessly for some reason at the city walls mm-hmm. from the outside. And what what happens? Kevin Costner attaches that boat to his boat and then he sails off, steering this guy off course who's just still shooting manically 
and ends up shooting at the bad guy's boat. Yeah. At Dennis Hopper's boat. Dennis Hopper's boat blows up and Dennis Hopper says one line of something. I don't know. Just like, oh God, time to leave. Or, I, I get it cuts from like big action scene to Dennis Hopper just on a completely empty soundstage just yeah. going, oh no. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then he jumps off and the whole boat explodes yeah. and that's it. And then somehow he's lost an eye in that. But mm-hmm. he's absolutely fine otherwise. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. It was just so they could have that scene where his henchman sticks a literal googly eye, like a stick on googly eye onto his eye. Which then falls off. Which then falls straight off and he's never seen again. Again, that felt like that was from an entirely different movie. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, this is also a good point to talk about the music in this. Sure, yeah. What film was that for? Yeah, it felt not very, this one. No, no, no. The, the score was yeah. The score was very kind of like Appalachian panpipe music, wasn't it? Like, wasn't it? Yeah. It was it felt like the Goonies sort of thing, yeah. or just anything by Steven Spielberg. Any kids' film by Steven Spielberg, this would be the music for it. Mm. And that's not what film this was. Allegedly, according to all reports, Kevin Costner is primarily the reason this film doesn't work because he just did he play the music. He didn't play the music, but apparently there was another score that was composed. Mm-hmm. And at the last minute, he rejected it because he said it was too dark and too post-apocalyptic sounding. Okay. Which seems like what you'd want for this film, but whatever, Kev. Well, I mean, it um, could go too far in the other direction. Sure, sure, sure. So I'm doing it where they, maybe they just bought one of those Argentinian pan-pipe like, CDs you find in supermarkets. <laughs> and was like, well, mm, that'll do. Play that over it. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like very incongruous. It yeah. didn't really match any of the scenes at all. No, it didn't. It made everything look like it was really fun. Yeah. What about this film was fun? Other than laughing at it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I laughed pretty hard at the, the eyeball reveal. Yeah. Which I think I was supposed to, because it was too ridiculous, but it was odd. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. All right, what happens next? Okay, so then we get to a long, long portion of the film where it's just Kevin Costner abusing Triplehorn and the child on a boat for what feels like an hour. Yeah. And this is where you really realise that this character is He's, he's not possibly the villain of the film. <laughs> well, no, he's, he's not the villain of the film. He's right? a villain. The, the other guy is worse. Like I don't know. If you, if you if you set up like a a score sheet for how many times does he threaten to rape or beat a child or a woman or actively beats rape or tries to kill a child. Or okay, a woman, okay, fine, fine. Yeah, I think he'd come ahead. But what's the other guy doing? I'm not saying the other guy's what, a hero. What, but... What's the other guy's aim? What's what's Dennis Hopper's aim? I was never sure. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I was hoping you'd tell me. No. I mean, he wanted to get the little girl's back tattoo. Because the girl has a tattoo on her back that is supposed oh, yeah. to be the directions to the mythical dry land, which they're all hunting for. They were planning to tear the skin off her back. Yeah. Yeah, not, 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 not what, heroes, by any means. If, if you were to compare which is worse. Sure, sure, sure. Well, Rape I mean, and abuse or just tearing your skin off? I, I don't think there's a huge gap, you know what I mean? Like, it's all pretty much of a badness. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a question for me to ask. Let's just move past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you rather rip the skin off a child's back or throw them overboard and potentially rape them? Like... <laughs> what, what have we got down this path? I know. Um, but again, who was this film for? Well, yeah, because that's, yeah, to be fair, that's the question this film asks. Yeah. Yeah, what, who, who is going to want to watch a film in which it is multiply implied that a, a girl who can be no older than 10 may well be raped at any moment? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, so they're on the ocean on this boat and he's, he basically immediately says... Kevin Costner says, look, there's not enough water. I'm going to have to kill the kid. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> and then Gene Shivelhorn's like, no, 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 don't kill the kid. There must be another way. Yeah. He's like, nope, got to kill the kid. Got to kill the kid. Mm-hmm. He's very set on this. And she's like, well, what if I get naked? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, hmm. Okay, I won't kill the kid. Yeah. You put your clothes back on. Yeah, I don't want this. <laughs> Just, okay, what was the thought process there? What yeah. happened? Mm, yeah, it was very strange. Then... Um, is, then, that, is, that, is that the bit where he goes fishing and just pulls up this, what looks like a giant monster? Yes. 
There's, that happens there's at like, some point, yeah. There's like the size of a car. Yeah. Or like a minibus, maybe. I don't know. I expected it to be Jaws, essentially. It was really but, but bad it special of like practical it effects was, work. But it was so quick you couldn't really take it in. Yeah, but it, it wasn't a fish of any kind. It wasn't actual monster. Yeah. As though like, okay, fish have evolved in a thousand years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why were there no other animals like that at sure. all? It took no time to find. No. And yet later, when they have a very, very long scene underwater, there's nothing to be seen. Oh, not, not, there's not a fish in the world no. in that scene, is there? <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, if fish have evolved that much, how have humans only evolved to just some of them? Sorry, slash... One of them. One of them. We see no other mutants <laughs> in this film, no? Um, having webbed feet in gills. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. Although, I will say, again... Up there with the piss drinking scene for me in the just oddness of it all is the scene when the three of them are eating the fish and then Kevin Costa just eats the eyeball. He's like, mmm, delicious eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, he does, doesn't he? He's such a disgusting person. Well, you know, maybe you would if you were... You, you probably would want to get the most... Well, of, if you yeah. compare this film to Mad Max, first time we mentioned it on this this episode, by the way. I'm so impressed we got this long because, oh boy, earlier. does this film rip off Mad Max. Like... <laughs> um, but like, if you look at Mad Max, Fury Road... Sure. The opening scene has Tom Hardy eating a two-headed lizard. Mm. So, yeah, you know, uh, if you're just on your own for, for ages... Sure, you'll, sure, sure. You'll, you'll eat some stuff. You'll, you'll, really you'll, 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 you'll drink some stuff. Yeah, sure. He's just not a very good anti-hero. No. He's just, he needs to be more charismatic. He needs to be more like, oh, what a rogue, rather than, oh, I think this person might be a sociopath. How many people have you killed? Ten? Twenty? You talk a lot. I talk a lot because you don't talk at all. Now, how many? Including little girls? I'm not afraid of you. So yeah, he gets very unhappy with a lot of the things that these two women do on his boat. Mm-hmm. Like They're just trying to like make it through the day. So, oh, they get attacked by another trader. Oh, yeah. Who's doing a lot. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, to be fair, this is the one character that I had seen on, on YouTube before, and this was pretty much the only knowledge I had of this film oh, other really? than Kevin Costner's in it. Okay. Why, um, what did you see of him? What led you to him? I just heard somebody talking about how much this guy loves paper and how weird it was. Oh, yeah. And I've got to say, on a scale of how many things are in this film mm. and how weird they all are, this one is quite low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's obsessed with paper. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so basically, Kevin Costner sells Gene Tribblehorn to him for paper. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'd rather rape the kid. Yeah. Which again... And then Kevin Costner considers... He, he does, he, he genuinely thinks about it for a second. Yeah. does, doesn't he? Again, who was what? <laughs> who was this for? Who was supposed to enjoy this? <laughs> this one was like, okay, so this is by no means a kid's film. Because like, who's going to watch a film about like, where there's constant threats that a child will be raped? Yeah. Anyway, then he changes his mind after just having Gene Triplehorn almost get raped for the first of several times. Then, it, I think before that happens, he beats with an oar. He does, doesn't he? He beats. He literally beats with an oar. What is what is up with this guy? He throws the little girl over over the side of the boat. Okay, okay. Mm. Why can she not swim? I know. How is that a thing? You live in water world. <laughs> like, how much land is there in this world? Mm. Like, you you think there's none? Yeah. So maybe learn to swim. If there's one thing you're gonna <laughs> if teach, there's one skill yeah. you want yeah. in this world. It's swimming. Yes, and that is when I realised that 
Kevin God. Costner may be something of a villain in this film, but Jean Triplehorn is also not a good guardian. No. Because if there's one thing she should have done for this kid, it is teach this kid to swim. Who wrote this? I have. Well, six wrote, people who, over the course of like several years. Did nobody say, hey, look, maybe this girl should swim? Because yeah. it's not an element to the plot either. Like, no. it's a very easy fix to just say. Just maybe, she maybe, maybe we don't need him to throw her over the side of the boat. Maybe he's like, detestable like, enough already. Like, maybe he could throw her over the side of the boat and then like a scary fish comes. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. There's plot for you. There, yeah. there, there's a bit attention or maybe they start sailing away it's like, I'll come, come back for her don't leave her like that you know something yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. agreed <sighs> bizarre made no sense remember when he got really pissed off because she used his crayons oh my god <laughs> why did he even have crayons he like, loves his been, crayons obviously he's been going to you know the bottom of the, of mm. the ocean yeah um, to all the dead cities and stuff and just picking things up crayons which have you know obviously survived hundreds of years because yeah. you know everything does why, why did he pick them out of all the things he could take back to the surface and not, so, not use them or anything. This is when, and this may be a controversial thing to just, say. Just give me a scene of him, like, with... He's got some paper from yeah. the, the bottom or something, and he's just sketching with, yeah. with these crayons. He's an, he's an artist, maybe. Yeah, sure. And, you know, one of the crayons is running out, so he's using his blue quite lightly, because, mm-hmm. you know, everything's blue or whatever. Um, <laughs> Pretty easy colouring in this, if you're drawing, like, landscapes. Well, what, so, yeah. what I'm saying is, like, he's yeah. running out of blue. Sure, 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 yeah. And then she gets the blue crayon and draws all over his boat or something. Then that's fine. Sure, yeah. Then he can get pissed off. Just like, hey, you used up my blue. Yeah. That's not very nice. Mm-hmm. What, we're going to paint the sky now? Green? Yeah. Yes, you never see any of him like as an artist. You're right, he just he just really does not like anyone touching his crayons. They yeah. are his crayons. Yeah. And this was the point in the film, and this may be a controversial statement, and I don't mean to offend anybody at all. Oh, Jesus, I'm excited. Yeah. But this was the <laughs> point in the film when I thought, is this character supposed to be autistic? I don't know enough about autism. No, 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 never do I particularly, but it just seems, and that's why I don't want to offend anyone. You know, there, there are, there are, is he oh, on the are, spectrum? Are you, are you just throwing the question out there? I'm throwing the question out. I don't have an answer. There's okay. no answer. I've not read anything to suggest that he is, mm-hmm. but he seemed very focused. You know, one thing I know about certain kinds of autism is people get very hung up on detail and sure. senses of like, this is my thing, you can't have my thing. I don't think that's the case. I think that he is purely just badly written. Yeah, that's more likely, to be fair, yeah. I don't think... Well, firstly, I think this film is very badly written. Yeah, un- unquestionably. Yeah, and I don't think that it's written well enough to think, to have somebody go, you know what, let's make him autistic, and then put details of autism in there. No, yeah, I agree. I think it's much more likely they've just not thought anything through. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I put more thought into it than they did. Yeah, <laughs> I think sure. we in the 43 minutes we've been recording, we've put infinitely more thought than they have already. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. What are you doing? Decorating your boat. It's ugly. Where did you get this? From down below. This is mine. You don't touch anything of mine. Well, I drew it for you. You don't draw on anything. You understand? So, yeah, there's this long sequence of him just abusing two helpless women on a boat. Yeah. We're about, what, 30 minutes into this film now? <laughs> yeah, I know. We're still just doing the plot summary. It's like... <laughs> and then in the meantime, Dennis Hopper's kind of sit, seeking them out. Oh, then they get attacked by a pilot. Remember when Jack Black was in this movie for two years? <laughs> I missed it with Jack Black. Yeah. Like, I saw him in the credits and I was like, yeah. wait, is that the Jack Black? Yeah. I don't blame you for not noticing him because he was basically... He was like Tom Hardy in Dunkirk. He was just wearing a mm. mask the whole time and he was like just a pilot, yeah. yeah. I'm guessing because this is before Jack Black was famous, so he, he wasn't Jack Black, he was just actor sure, for small yeah. role yeah. but yeah bizarre they get attacked by this pilot and then they get they get kidnapped uh, that's the point where they get attacked by the pilot 
and that's firing at the boat or something. Everybody's fine. Oh no, Kevin Costner gets shot, but we don't care about that, and yeah. that doesn't actually do anything. No, he seems um, to recover pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, what's her face? Triple Horn fires the thing at him. At, yes. At the plane. Oh, the harpoon gun, which almost rip, rips the boat apart, and Kevin Costner manages to release it or something. Release the rope. I don't know. Yeah, he cuts it. Yeah. Yeah, which then throws him off the boat. Doesn't make any difference. And the plane flies away. Jet Black flies away. Yes. And is that it? Well, at some point... Oh, and then uh, part of the boat falls down and it's broken or something. And essentially, the message of the scene is Kevin Costner is now pissed off. Sure. More so. (laughs) He wasn't exactly a chuckle fest before. That's that's all that happened there. Yeah. And then at some point, the little girl gets kidnapped. Is that what happens next? Yeah, then at the next point, they have to go somewhere to get something to some base or whatever. They go there and then that base has been hijacked by the smokers already. Oh, that's right. And then the smokers are waiting underwater with jet skis. Which I've got some questions about, but it's just like, how, how did they get the jet skis underwater? What's holding them down? You never see it. Well, how did they get the jet skis full stop is in itself a question. Fair. It's yeah. just, uh, okay, yeah. There's a lot of things we're just going to have to like, breeze past. past that. Essentially, the boat gets hijacked. Uh, the girl gets taken. Oh, no, wait. This is after when they've been down to the bottom. Oh, yeah. So that's where Kevin Costner's like, hey, by the way, you get in this weird bubble thing. Why does he have that? He doesn't need it. <laughs> okay, I thought of that. Uh, <laughs> he can breathe underwater. We established he has gills. Yeah, so he puts her in this bubble thing and uh, swims down to the bottom into this mystical city of where the whole time I was like, okay, what what landmark are we going to see? I need to see a landmark here. Mm-hmm. Statue of Liberty. I better be a Statue of Liberty. And there's nothing. No. And on the way up, we get like a ski lift or something. Just like, okay, well, what does that serve? Yeah. <laughs> Um, what was the point of any of that, apart from, I guess, they spent a lot of money on the, the effect? It, I think it was just, well, yeah, that. And also say, this is how I got the dirt from the start of the yeah. film. Well, you could have just said, yeah, I can breathe underwater, so the dirt is from the bottom of the ocean. If like it took yeah. a long walk to just, like, show her, and then it was like, so here it is, and she's like, okay. So it goes down, and at no point, I mean, I know this film isn't very accurate scientifically, <laughs> but there was no water pressure. <laughs> oh, that's what, that's one of my drinking games. Yeah. Slash, how much air is in that tiny bubble that she was yeah. in? She was in something that was like down to her shoulders or something and about a metre at its widest point. Sure. That's not going to get her down to no. the bottom. And yeah, yeah, the water pressure at the end, he, she, would be, she would be crushed. But they would both be crushed. So would he, yeah. Like, unless that he's, far down. Unless he's evolved to just be super strong or yeah, something, which obviously, obviously has not been shown in the film, so no. that's not the case. Also, when they came up for air, her lungs would have exploded. Yeah, there like there, there's no sense that they would get diving sickness or whatever that's called. Um, the bends, the bends, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, none of that. No, mm. yeah, made no sense. So that that all happens just to kill some more time in this two and a half hour film. <laughs> <laughs> then they come back up and is that when the little girl's been kidnapped? Yeah, that's when the little girl's hiding. Yeah, and all, all the smokers are there. They're on the boat and everything. Oh, and they, they boarded the boat. Yeah, yeah. And so they take those two and then they threaten them or whatever. The girl comes out and then they take the girl and. Uh, Kevin Costner manages to break free or something and they both jump in the water, jump in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the smokers are firing at them and the smokers burn their boat to the ground. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin got they come up and she's like, oh no, my boat, oh, I'm so sad. And she's like, the girl! And she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that, that was my Kevin Costner. Sure. And then they have to go and rescue the little girl. Yeah. Oh, okay, at this point, I need to pause for a second because I have a lot of questions about the little girls, some of which I apply here. So Dennis Hopper and his gang of smokers, their whole motivation is that they want to find this little girl that they've heard has the secret answer to 
the directions to Dryland, the mystical Dryland that they're yeah. looking for. And yet she's living on this atoll for this whole time, just walking around. Mm-hmm. You don't get the sense that any of them know about this secret or mm. are particularly interested in the fact that she is, you know, she has the secret to the thing that they're all looking for. You'd think they'd mm-hmm. be looking for Dryland too. Mm-hmm. Like, how did Dennis Hopper even hear about her in the first place? Don't know. Why isn't everyone after her? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've got more questions as well. Yeah. Question one, who put the tattoo on her back? Yeah, I have that too. Who tattooed her and when? Question two, when? Question three, why? Yes. <laughs> like, oh, I've got this map that uh, goes to dry land, which, yeah. you know, obviously I'm not going to for whatever reason. Um, but, uh, oh, where can I write this down? Oh, I've got mm. no paper. There's no paper. Um, you girl, come here. Tattoo on a baby. <laughs> well, okay. Well, actually, well, this, stuff, this, is stuff, this is related to stuff that pays off at the end. So let's... Well, well, I've got a further question four. Okay. How does the map work? Well, apparently it's upside down. That's why no one's been able to figure it out before. That, doesn't, that still doesn't make any sense. No, it makes if no you, sense. If you look at it, because it doesn't say you are here mm. at any point, which mm. is vital for a map. You need to work out where you are. In relation, yeah, sure. Yeah, because, or else the map is useless. Yeah. And so it would need to have star signs all over it. Mm. And then just being like, it's about there, relative to the star signs. Yeah. Like, and the then, whole, we've established that the entire planet is water. So what possible landmarks are there going to be by which you can navigate? Yeah. <laughs> Stars, that's it. Yeah, at no point is it nice at this film. I don't think... That, <laughs> that too. Yeah. Hey. Very odd. Uh, okay, sorry. So let's, let's... We're getting to the end. So Kevin Costner decides to go and rescue the girl. So he chases Dennis Hopper's gang back to the original boat. And he kind of sneaks in, kills a few people, then kills a lot yeah. of people. Okay. Um, another guy we've not mentioned. The guy whose pure job in life, it seems, is to just... Is a fuel gauge? Yes. <laughs> so at one point, somebody opens the door and just says, how much fuel have you got left? He's like, about four feet. <laughs> and that's it. What else does he do with his time? Well, I think that's it, because obviously I think what you're building to is this, the scene when Kevin Costa blows up the boat. Yeah. He throws the flare thing down yeah. into the fuel thing. And you see this guy, this poor old man who's like stood in like knee deep in, in oil. And then obviously as soon as the flame hits it, it explodes. And you see just the, the moment he realizes he's about to die, he just goes, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't blame him. No. I almost thought that maybe that was the actor saying, like, "Oh, thank God, yeah. <laughs> it's over. I can go home." Because this was such a long and torturous shoot. Like they got it right. Like the thing landed. Oh, thank God, they got I, the shot. I can I, go home. Like, what? I, 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 you know, I don't think you're gonna drop that torch, my friend. Why not? Because you're not crazy. Thank God. Also, the main villain didn't actually seem that mad. No. He just seemed like a bit evil and, you know, he he wants what he wants and, yeah. you know, he'll do anything to get it, but not, he's crazy. Yeah, Dennis Hopper made some choices in his portrayal of this villain. It was a really... Not some good ones. No, 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 just odd, yeah, odd, odd, odd choices. Yeah, he, he was very kind of dry and, like, low energy. Like. Mm. He was kind of like always talking off to the side. Well, maybe it's because everything was reshoots. Probably, yeah. I think so he was just tired. Like, I'm yeah. sick of this. Yeah. Okay, just, um, just get don't, the don't drop the thing. Um, guy, uh, kill Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. if you could. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, yeah. guys. And that, that's his delivery. Mm. This is a real problem for the film in general. I felt like there was a complete lack of joy in this film. Yeah. Nobody seemed like they were having a good time. Because I got the same feeling with Gene Triplehorn's character, mm-hmm. is that she just seemed like she was constantly pissed off. Mm-hmm. And if you've got Kevin Costner, whose character is also 
constantly pissed off. Mm-hmm. You need some balance. You need like a light character who's going to like raise. I'm not saying she has to be comic relief, but she needed to have a little bit more vibrancy. But she just yeah. seemed the same. Like she just wanted to get through the fucking shoot. Yeah. And I really feel like because this film did go on for it was like a six month shoot, and they were stuck there. And oh, this is a funny little fact: every main actor in the film had a near death experience at some point. Really? Yeah, because they they built it all on the actual sea, mm-hmm. and there were loads of like problems with sets blowing away. I think Gene Triplehorn almost drowned. Um, oh, I think Kevin Costner almost got hit by a boat. One of the extra, one of the stunt coordinators got swept out to sea and was like, literally lost at sea for several days. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> this film was a disaster. <laughs> but yeah, it just it really shows because all the performances are just so angry and low energy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he blows up the boat, killing dozens if not hundreds of people who we don't know to be evil. Like they might be, but they could just be people who are just yeah. make, trying to make a living, you know? Yeah. And then Kevin Costner rescues the little girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then there's a whole fight scene. He shoots Lino here, who you don't remember. No. Still. Sure. Yeah. Then as he's escaping, the oh, this is when the old man comes back, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's fighting, the fighting, fighting, <laughs> and it looks like all hope is lost. Yeah. And then suddenly out of, out of nowhere in the, in the sky comes um, the wonderful Wizard of Oz on his mm-hmm. magical flying machine with Gene Shippelhorn on a board. He's already rescued her. He's like, I've come to rescue you. Grab the rope. And he drops the rope. And Kevin Costner and the little girl are climbing the rope. And then Dennis Hopper climbs after them. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's going to pull Kevin Costner off. And then the little girl actually saves the day by throwing something down and knocking him off. Yeah. No, it's the mother that does that. Oh, is it the mother? Okay, sure. It's Kevin Costner and the little girl are the last people to climb. Oh, yeah. Gene Triplehorn saves the day. Yeah, because she doesn't, she, she doesn't get on the boat at all. True, 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 she doesn't. You're right, she's yeah. only in the, tri- in, the mag- in the magical flying machine. Yeah, and so she throws something which knocks the bad guy off. Yeah. And you think that that's going to be it, and he just falls into the water, and it's very, very underwhelming. Yeah. And you see the boat sinking or whatever, and then the girl falls off for some reason. Yes, she does. She falls off the ladder. Was there a reason for that? I forget. Or did Additional she just, drama? Did she just trip? Just an extra two minutes of drama? Just, okay. So I think yeah. she just slips, yeah. So yeah, she slips, falls into the water, lands like on her upper back. Yeah, again. Would have broken her neck. Would, like have, she, di- would have died instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah she'd be dead. Yeah. And uh, obviously she's fine because, you know, no. it's film shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then Dennis Hopper and two of his goons are all on jet skis from three separate angles. And they're all just speeding towards her as fast as possible. And then at the last minute, Kevin Costner ties a rope around his waist, jumps from a hot air balloon, and then Triple Horn and the others are just like, quick, tie the rope! And then finally she actually does something quickly and efficiently, (laughs) and she ties the rope. And just in the nick of time, she finishes tying her knot, and then... The rope pulls taut, and suddenly it turns out it's a bungee cord, yeah. which nobody knew all along. It wasn't before. It was just a regular old brown rope. Yeah. But somehow it's now a bungee cord. It's now a bungee cord. Again, he would have could, broken his back or you know, his neck. Because, you know, bungeeing from a uh, hot air balloon, totally legit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that. That's the science works that way. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. And uh, he, you know, the, the extent of the bungee cord is, you know, a couple inches above the water, you know, the perfect height to just reach out his arms, yeah. pluck the little girl from the ocean, and then swing right back up. Super lucky. To, Super to, lucky. To, to the hot air balloon. Yeah. And then the three jet skis just come towards it, just keep driving towards each other for no reason whatsoever, and they all hit and explode in the biggest explosion of the movie. Yeah, that was like a Michael Bay explosion. What like- <laughs> <laughs> that was such a 90s explosion. Like... <laughs> All it needed was a Wilhelm scream. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
<sighs> Why that did was... it explode? Were they all just like rigged with grenades or something? Like, I don't know. I don't know, John. I don't know. I think that's the tagline for this film. Waterworld. We don't know. <laughs> So then, okay, we're still not done. So oh, then, we're, we were. we're at the end. We're at the end. So then, on the magical flying machine, they're rescued, and then they they follow the map. The, the old man looks at the girl's back and realizes that all this time, this map that he's never been able to figure out, it's just been upside down, which seems ludicrous. But okay, at this De- point, define upside down. What's the right way around? Yeah. Is there a north? Is there a south? Does anybody have a compass? Nobody yeah. has a compass. Yeah. So there's no right way up. No. But anyway, that's what he decides. The map is there. That's what, you know, at this point I was like, fine, just fucking get it over with. Well, yeah, yeah. I was so checked out at this point. Like, just, <laughs> just fucking get to the end. So then they find Dryland, yeah. which isn't specified, but is supposed to be Mount Everest. Sure, okay. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's because the water level has risen 500 meters, etc. Yeah, that's fair. So they go there and it's this lush, beautiful paradise. There's white horses running through tropical rainforests and everything's lovely. Mm-hmm. And then they go... That they get onto the land and they find a abandoned shack with two skeletons. Yeah. Lying side to side in a bed. Yeah. Very sad. And the little girl walks in and says, I'm home. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Oh my God. So the little girl had been... That's how the little girl has the map of Trella. Who wrote this? <laughs> Who's writing that? That is... Joss, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did he write that line? I don't know. I don't know. Oh my God. Whoever wrote that line... Surely doesn't deserve to work in Hollywood again. <laughs> I think multiple people involved in the production of this film Never probably didn't work again. again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kevin Costner just barely. <laughs> oh my God, that's the yeah. whole thing. But is... this is where I had so many questions. Okay, so... so she... Well, this is everything that a prequel would cover, I guess, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Which, God knows, is, is that you building up to your... No, no, okay. no, I've, I've, no, no, I've done something else. Okay, well, let's, not, let's cover that now. Then. So, okay, so sh- we now have to understand that this girl was originally on Dryland with her parents, mm-hmm. who got sick. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that there's some kind of plague that's going to wipe them all out? Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe that was so long ago that that plague would have died out. True, maybe. But anyway, so it's like Triplehorn says, they knew they, were, they must have known they were dying. Mm. But she gives no indication. She, she doesn't know about anything about this. We get no sense that she has been in on this. So my question is, how did she get to be looking after Enola, the little girl? Um, she was there when the little girl was orphaned, let's say. Where, though? Um, on that. Uh, she wasn't on dryland on some other adventure but the, the 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 parents died on this island oh so it was implied that those were her parents yes huh. yeah that was the whole point huh. i did not get that yeah so those <laughs> two people so she'd been on the island before and that's why she was tattooed so that means that her, did her parents tattoo it when she was a baby they were the only people who could have realistically tattooed enola yeah i guess it must have been that they died for whatever reason when she was a baby and it's like, okay, well, let's make sure that somebody finds this place at some point. Let's yeah. rather than give you a piece of paper. Let's, let's tattoo a baby. Let's just tattoo this Also, that tattoo on her back was not baby-sized. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> well, it would have grown with the skin. Oh, maybe stretched, yeah. Okay, yeah. fair. I don't know how child tattoos work. 
I've never, I've I, never tattooed a baby. Yeah, I don't feel I need to know. No, sure. Um, so, yeah, then people come back and there's a boat there made out of nice wood. And this is the bit that really annoys me. When Kevin Costner just like, oh, no, I'm a man of the sea and just gets <laughs> off and leaves. Yeah. Like, there's other things to do. Or retire, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't look like you're having fun out there. No. You, you're clearly a very disturbed man. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> like, maybe, you know, just take some time. You know, a week or two on the island and just think about it for a sec. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just, just see. Because you might like it. You might like drinking fresh water. I think that was what he, I think that was when he was like, you know what, I'm out. If I can't drink my own piss, get me off this fucking island. Like, yeah. What an, what an underwhelming ending. Mm. After spending two and a half hours waiting for this guy to find this fucking dry land. Yeah. And he gets there and within five minutes he's like, no, don't like it. Back to my boat. And then boom, end credits. Yeah. Film over. What? Yeah. I don't understand how the girl, when she was a baby, got to... Did they just stick it like in Moses in the in, in a boat and shove it out to sea? Well, let's assume. Yeah. Oh, so many questions. Or so. maybe uh, Triple Horn was there. She definitely wasn't. She would have remembered. She gave no indication that she'd ever been on dry land before. Yeah, true. And like, why would you want? Unless there was like a plague or something, why would you want the girl off the only place that everyone else is looking for? Um, this movie made zero sense. Absolutely no sense. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, indeed. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we getting there yet? <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, okay. So before we get to the drinking games, yep. Dryland when they finally get to Dryland, mm. and it's supposed to be I read it's supposed to be Mount Everest. Yeah, that gave me some questions. Yeah, again, I mean, at this point, picking holes in the logic of this film is a fool's errand. But are they going to find lots of frozen dead people? Well, my thought was just because the water levels have risen, mm-hmm. does that mean that the air is necessarily going to be thicker? Oh, well... The heights of Everest would have a really thin, a really thin atmosphere, wouldn't it? Yeah. And then also, I thought, well, hang about, if the whole planet, apart from like 5%, if that is covered in water, mm-hmm. and there's no plants, is there any oxygen whatsoever? Like, how is there any oxygen at all? Because surely the plants are generating the oxygen. So how is anyone breathing? Good question. However, I did put this to Ross Burton, our scientist in residence, and also the co-host of uh, Two Geeks, Two Movies. Thank you. With you, yeah. And he did the maths. And he got back to me with a, a very lengthy explanation, which I won't repeat now, but I will post oh. on our social media. Okay. It's it's long. It's long. Um, <laughs> um, Trump can be a look, just like Harry, stop asking for it. <laughs> but anyway, long story short, apparently it is actually feasible. So there would be enough oxygen to breathe from pressure and stuff. Yeah. And and I'll read about it. And, and altitude. Would there be any oxygen generated from anything? Because According to Ross, the atmosphere, if, if the planet's oceans rose by 500 kilometers or whatever it was which which just want to point out there they wouldn't it's like a few hundred feet if, yeah, yeah if the ice caps were to melt totally totally but let's breeze past that yeah yeah the atmosphere would simply settle to the new sea level it would be spread over a larger area since the ball is now bigger the globe is now bigger yeah, yeah. but not by much since the depth of the new ocean is only a fraction of the size of the earth Gravity will be a little bit weaker at sea level also resulting in a thinner atmosphere since the world is larger but again not by much as for oxygen, a large amount of it is currently made by sea-bound plants, algae and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So the new world will have no problem with oxygen. Yeah. But he also does mention the problem in that film is this. Where does the water come from? Melting ice caps give a little water, but since they are originally less dense than liquid water and are currently mostly underwater, their melting will actually drop sea levels. The reason sea levels rise in real life is that global warming leads to warmer water, which causes water to expand its volume. In Waterworld, there is enough water to cover everything except Everest. I've not done the maths on that. 
he would later get back to me with the maths on this. Okay. Um, I'll chase him on that. No, no, he did. Oh, he did? Yeah, I'll show you the message. It's long. Oh, right. um, but <laughs> right. my instinct is this: is that this is not possible by warming the current seas or A, boiling the sea, or B, being so hot that people can't live there anymore. Conclusion, the water is created spontaneously or came from space. Either way, we now have a heavier planet than before, not by much since the water is still only a small thing compared to the planet itself, but gravity might be measurably affected. Again, calculations required. So there we go. I guess that... That's kind that of solves it. No, kind of makes somehow. sense. It looks like you have further questions. No, I'm just wondering. Was Ross saying that uh, yes, it makes sense, or no, it does not make sense? A lot from column A, a lot from column B. Okay. Essentially, Everest would be breathable if the water levels rose because the atmosphere would settle. And also, there would be oxygen. But also, a lot of other things don't make sense. Those are the questions that I, that, that I care about for this. Sure, sure, yeah. So they actually do make sense. Cool. Okay, so drinking games? All right. Well, God, I, you need I wish I'd been drunk watching this. Fucking hell, yeah. Um, might have covered one or two of these already. Drink for poorly disguised 20th century boats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit, a bit of rust effect. Yeah. yeah. I'll say this. This film cost a lot of money. And in some respects, I mean, I, I like the fact that it's, it's, it's pre-CGI. So you do have a lot of like big constructed sets with lots of extras and lots of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. That being said... This is an ugly, ugly film. Oh, God, yeah. It doesn't look good. I heard that... Is it filmed at Miami or something? Around there? Sorry? Is it, it was filmed around Hawaii, I think? Hawaii, okay. Yeah. I get those two mixed up. Hawaii ran out of metal. Yeah. <laughs> when yes. they were filming this. Yes. <laughs> that is unreal. Yeah. Well, also, because they built all these sets, these floating sets on the ocean, just on, off the coast of Hawaii. Yeah. And they didn't think to check what the weather would be like in Hawaii. They just assumed right. it would be... Sunny and, Sunny and clear. Yeah. And actually, there were lots of high winds and storms. So on more than one occasion, these multi-million dollar sets just blew away. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's why this film ran massively over budget. One of many reasons. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hence, it lost. It was like a six-month shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Good one. Very good. Uh, similarly, my first one was Drink for Obvious Sets. Obvious Sets? Yeah. yeah. Specifically, every time there's a scene where Kevin Costner or Dennis Hopper, mostly Dennis Hopper, is clearly standing on a soundstage. Yeah. You know when he's like standing against a blue sky and it's utterly flat and it yeah. just is obviously like a cardboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time you see that, <clears throat> take a drink. Fair, fair. Okay. Um, drink for explosions. The more ridiculous the explosion, the more you drink. Like it, like it. So waterfall when Dennis Hopper blows up. Yeah, yeah. clearly. Um, also many at the start. Mm-hmm. Just like jet skis, just casually, like very slowly, at maybe two to five miles an hour, just bumping into the main set and then boom. Yeah. Gone. Mm-hmm. Plenty of that. Yeah, agreed. Drink when Kevin Costner kills people. Oh, solid. Our hero, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's only like two or three times through the film, but just on those two or three times, drunk a lot. <laughs> sure. Or, or is responsible for the deaths of people, even if he doesn't directly kill them. Okay, yeah. Or maybe threatens to kill them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the trader at the start, he leads yeah, him to his death and, you know. Yeah, I suppose, that, yeah, there's the paper guy, there's yeah. uh, the guy who was shooting from the plane that Jack Black was flying, and then there's... Multiple the action, people the, on the boat. The action yeah. scene at the start, the action scene at the end. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Fair, fair, fair. He's, he's a mass, mass murderer. Drink any time somebody falls or jumps in the water. Good. Yeah. Solid. Pretty hammered. <laughs> Waterfall for the underwater scene. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say take two drinks when it's a child. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Drink for strong extra work. Oh yeah, solid actually. There yes. was some really good extras like seizing the moment. Yeah. Like I have one line in this film and I'm gonna deliver. Like <laughs> especially on the Atoll, like when they're when they're in that first like community at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every extra was like giving a hundred and ten percent and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And also I would I would count the human fuel gauge in that the Oh thank god. Like oh. it definitely counts as good extra work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Drink every time Helen gets pimped out. Slash nearly raped. <laughs> yep, fair, mm-hmm. fair. Drink when the laws of physics are blithely ignored. So we've covered this already. You know, yeah. lack of water pressure, lack of... Hot air balloon hot, stuff. Hot air balloon stuff. Like how he built a hot air balloon. You know, hitting the water and not breaking your neck slash back. The bungee mm-hmm. jump, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it. We've covered it, yeah. And finally, drink for smoking. Okay, yeah. Because my God. <laughs> you want to come over here and sit on my lap? No? <clears throat> How about a cigarette? Nothing like a good smoke if you miss your mom. Never too young to start. Well, I guess that covers Waterworld. Yeah, crikey. You okay? It's been a bloody long episode so far. Well, you chose this film that just... Has, there's a lot to say about it. Yeah. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> Don't. We're going over time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we do still have time to talk about Patreon. Yes, we do. There's always time to talk about Patreon. So if you would like to support the show in any way, if you like our show and you want to say thank you, then please go to patreon.com. Forward slash beyond the box set. Forward slash beyond the box set. Thank you. And uh, yeah, from there, we have a few, bit, few bits of bonus content for anybody who, who supports us. Yes. We have a bonus show called Beyond the Box Set. Where each beyond, week, beyond the box set. Beyond beyond the box set. I'm drunk. <laughs> um, where every week we what do we do? We review a film that's in the cinema right now, mm-hmm. and uh, well, it's good. It's very good. I enjoy doing it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, right. uh, we recently did Isle of Dogs and Love Simon. Mm-hmm. By the time this comes out, they'll probably be. Hopefully, we'll also have a quiet place out there, mm-hmm. and we're planning a little bit of extra stuff as well, like some Q and A stuff and. Uh, some other special bonus stuff that's coming because... Um, I mean, well, all this will be out at the time of recording. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time of release. Indeed. Sorry. So, yeah, just, you just have to go and have a look. It's great. Yeah. Uh, we also offer anyone who becomes a supporter. Once a month, we'll have a Patreon special in which we will allow one of our Patreons to choose a film for us to do. You can join us on this episode if you want. If you don't want to, we'll just, we'll just talk about it. You don't have to join us. But, uh, yeah, it's a good time. And another thing that we do is once a month, we will also give you a free ad slot on our show. Mm-hmm. Where you can talk about anything you want to. It can be your own podcast, can be a business, can be a your job, can be just a business that you like or an advert that you like. Mm-hmm. You want to advertise orange juice? Orange juice, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Always pick one thing out of John's apartment. What else have we got in here? Coco with an unhappy face drawn on it. What is oh, that? Yeah. Why is that there? What do you mean, oh yeah? I forgot about that. It's a, it's a Manson. Okay, okay. Just it's supposed to be did, Marilyn Manson. Just checking you didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just noticed it for the first time. Why do you have Marilyn Manson just drawn on your cooker? It's a long and convoluted story. Okay, it's very confusing to me. Yeah. Cool, yeah, and uh, finally, if any of you do want to, you can give us some details, real or not, such as your name, your hobbies, whatever, I don't know, and uh, we will try and write you into one of our sequels. Yes. One day someone will take us No on. one's doing it. No. Come on, people. Play along. Come on. So, yeah, if you go to patreon.com forward slash beyond the box set, you can pledge as much or as little as you like. We offer a tiered system, which means that whether you don't choose to donate £2 a month or £15,000 a month, you will get the same content either way. It's in dollars. Okay. Sorry, $2 a month or $15,000 a month. Fine. We strongly encourage the latter, but, you know, we're happy with the former. So, or yeah. anything in between. So pay what you feel we're worth. Yeah. If you, if, if you want to support us. If not... Then you know, giving us a like and subscribe, that sort of thing. Also nice, yeah. It's, uh, we appreciate it's it all. Pretty, pretty, pretty great. But we do endeavour to make our bonus content as high quality as possible. And like I said, it's a good way to advertise yourself. Cross promotion, mm-hmm. it works. So get on board. Yeah. And so yeah, Patreon.com/slash/beyond the box set. Get yeah. involved. We know you love box sets. 
and the area outside of them. Do you ever wonder what people see in artists like Garth Brooks and Insane Clown Posse? There's a lot of hidden value in this music, and we want to understand why people are so dedicated to these artists. We're Think Outside the Box Set, and we almost accidentally stole the name of Beyond the Box Set. Join me, Cameron DeWitt. And me, Nathan Hunt. As we listen to artists that many people dismiss, maybe for good reason. Check out boxset.website. Or your preferred podcatcher. You've tried the best, now try the rest. All right. Sequels. Cool. So I'll go first. So I've done a direct sequel. <sighs> Sorry, I just... You don't sound very enthusiastic. No, I've spent a lot of energy on this already. Okay, sure. Um, I just need to uh, get my head in the right space. Sure. Well, let me know when you're ready. Okay, go. What's your title? Okay, so my title is uh, The Sound of Waterworld. Okay. See where I was going there? Maybe. Yeah. To be fair, the plot doesn't really reflect on that. I just thought it was a cool title. So is Julie Andrews going to be in this? No, The Sound of Water, not... The sound of music. You know, uh, what's the, the sound fi- of the fish with the fish man? Oh, the, the shape, shape of water. water. Oh, sorry, the shape of. Oh, okay. The title is the shape of water world. <laughs> okay, that you you messed that up. I messed that up completely. Yeah. Um, I may also be drunk. So that makes much more sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, it actually doesn't because the plot doesn't reflect the shape of water particularly. Uh, okay. Apart from in one aspect, which I will now explain. So we open once again on a tight close up of a bum. As a mysterious man urinates into a cup from behind. Uh. As he reaches down to pick up the glass, we see that it is, once again, Kevin Costner. Oh, <laughs> no, you didn't get him back. Sorry, sorry, same character. Uh, but, but he has profoundly changed. Okay, well, he's got older and less hair. Well, there's that, but there's more. So, a further 20 years of living at sea has caused him to evolve even more fish-like qualities. Oh, do you have an eye patch now? Is he a pirate? He doesn't have an eye patch, no. Damn. I mean, he could. It's not neither here nor there. Yeah. But no, what, what's happened is he's evolved to even further fish-like qualities. So in the first one, he had gills and webbed feet. Mm-hmm. Now he, his forearms kind of just out like fins. Okay. And his entire body is covered in scales. Okay. And yeah, so he just looks more fishy now. So he looks a bit like the Sound of Water Fish Man, essentially. What I'm going for. Fair, fair, yeah. After a refreshing mouthful of piss, <laughs> a cool, refreshing cup of piss... <laughs> Actually, it would have been is, a hot is, cup of piss, is, wouldn't is, it? Is he even trying to purify it now? No, he's just like, he's given up all pretense. He just likes to taste a piss. Great, he's just aiming. Yeah. In and out. <laughs> out move, and in. Moving on. Move, move along, move along. So after a cool, refreshing mouthful of piss, he grabs a spear and dives into the water, where he now swims with even greater speed and dexterity. Mm-hmm. So then we get a kind of a Little Mermaid Fathoms Below sequence with him swimming through this underground city, doing all kinds of underwater acrobatics... And he emerges with a giant fish in his hands, mm-hmm. like in the first film, which yeah. he then devours raw. Okay. However, when he emerges from this haunting trip, he notices that a second boat is pulled up alongside his own. Mm-hmm. And some strange people appear to be boarding his boat. Because okay. he's still a total loner, basically. Like, he's totally like on his own still, just the way he likes it. Mm-hmm. So he hides under the water until he gets up closer and sees that a, gr- a group of masked humans are indeed loosing his boat. So he jumps up and attacks them. And he instantly like, throws his spear, takes one out instantly. Right. Then there's a fight sequence in which the rest of them attack him. And he holds his own with his new fish powers, you know, fish karate maybe, you know, mm-hmm. plus spear. But he's not as young as he used to be anymore, obviously. Kevin Costner's like 60 now. And as he's fighting the boarders, one of them actually uses a blowgun, like a dart gun, to shoot a poison dart into his neck. And he quickly passes out. Mm-hmm. He wakes up in a cell on what appears to be dry land. He's sharing the cell with a number of other prisoners including smokers, traders, even some other fish people, because mm-hmm. they are out there. Yeah. 
or mutants, as the film would have had it in the first film. Did you notice that? It wasn't mutants, it was mutants. Was it? <laughs> Mutant. So before he can ask where he is, a tall, statuesque female prison guard enters the room carrying a spear. Okay. And she's here to basically give some exposition. So she says, Welcome to Dryland. There's only one rule here. You fight or you die. So if you want to live, you better get to fighting. I'm just thinking classic, kind of, you know. Sure, sure. Action movie dialogue. I wasn't sure if you were going to say there's one rule here. We don't talk about Dryland. No, maybe. Well, the first rule of Dryland, I should say. No, a bit bit on the nose now. So then more guards appear, and the bewildered prisoners are led out into a gladiatorial arena. Like, think, think the film Gladiator. Okay. In front of a cheering crowd, who, like the guards, appear to all be women. Right, so sure. So the prisoners are then separated into their tribes. So the fish people are in one team, the, tra- the smokers are in one team, the traders are in another team. It's all the different character types from the first film, mm-hmm. basically. And armed with some basic weaponry, they're then forced to basically battle to the death. Mm-hmm. So obviously this entire sequence is a total rip-off of Gladiator. But also it's got a bit, a little bit of uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Okay. Have yeah. you seen that one? The one with Tina Turner? No, I've only seen Fury Road. <sighs> you need to watch Thunderdome. Sure, okay. So it's got a bit of Thunderdome thrown in, and maybe some wild animals are thrown into the mix too. So maybe there's like rabid monkeys and tigers that we need to fight as well. So yeah. Just a big old action set piece. Mm-hmm. The kind of which this original film didn't really have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the mariner may be old, but he's also strong, and he does manage to live through the day. He mm-hmm. survives the fight. At the end of the day, he and the other survivors are taken in for examination by the head of the military, who is yet another tall, statuesque woman, who looks strangely familiar to him, although he can't quite place why. So as she walks past him, he notices that she has a tattoo on her back. So he calls out, Enola! Which was the name of the little girl. Mm-hmm. Did I mention 20 years have passed? Uh, I think so. That's I'm, important, 20 I'm, years have passed. I'm, not, so, I'm, not, I'm sure, I mean, I assumed. Yeah, yeah, so she's like 27, 28, 29. Yeah. Uh, Casting-wise, like the actress, I think she was called Jane Torino or something, mm-hmm. is still acting, so sure. Or alternatively, Kristen Ritter could work. Which one's she? Jessica Jones. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, was, she, she, I think she'd be good. Like, I, I want someone like strong and, you know. Yeah. Powerful. Take no shit. Yeah. So he calls out Enola. And then she turns around and looks at him. Obviously he's changed a lot. He's all gilly and scaly and stuff now. Mm-hmm. But he says, um, it's me, the mariner. And then a look of realisation passes her face. And she walks up to him. And she stares deep into his eyes. And she gasps, my God, it is you. Then she punches him square in the face. Ah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. As he's lying stunned on the floor, mm-hmm. she says... Take him to the Empress. So two additional guards pick him up and drag him out of the prison cell. Mm-hmm. So the next scene, he's taken to a heavily guarded chamber with an ornate wooden throne where a middle-aged woman dressed in animal furs is kind of sitting, looking imperious. Mm-hmm. I think you can sense where this is going. Yeah. yeah. It is, of course, Triple Horn, Helen. Yeah. yeah. So again, I'm going for kind of a Wonder Woman's mum kind of vibe. Okay. Yeah. But also with a little... Well, Mad Max reference to clearly lost in you, but with a mix of anti-entity from Mad Max Thunderdome, sure. which is the character Tina Turner played in that film. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, just, just this basically fierce warrior woman. So she's become that, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guards kind of force him to kneel in front of the Empress, Triple Horn, but the Empress commands him to stand up after he's been thrown to the ground. So she looks deep into his eyes, and then she kind of touches his cheek, and she says, it really is you, after all this time. Then she, too, punches him square in the face. <laughs> Uh, obviously, this is starting to piss him off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so he responds with something like, Jesus, Helen, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she angrily explains the backstory. 
which is that after he abandoned her, when they all arrived on dry land together, she and the other survivors attempted to set up a society on dry land. Yeah. And at first they were able to live peacefully, just living off the land, and it was a beautiful kind of paradise. But they were soon followed by others, because once the location of dry land became well-known, mm-hmm. other people started coming. Yeah. It wasn't a secret yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, before long, a marauding gang of smokers attacked the island, killed all the men. The same gang of smokers that were all killed in the first one? Or is it like... I feel, I feel like there's more smokers. I feel like there's lots of different gangs of smokers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like he's just a, a, a specific gang leader. Are they all smoking? Yes, what that's brand? still a thing. <laughs> Richmond Super King. Ooh. Yeah. So at first they were able to live peacefully, but then these, this marauding band of smokers attacked the island, killed all the men, and enslaved all the women. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Questions? Yeah, how quickly is this, does this scene happen? What do you mean, this scene I'm explaining? Killing it's all it. the men and enslaving all the women. Yeah. It's a, it's a flashback, so we'll see it. Oh, really? Okay. She'll be explaining it, and we'll see like just shots of the men being killed and the women being put in chains. Sure. Yeah. So after several months of slavery, Helen actually led the women into inner revolt and managed to overthrow the smokers, winning back control of the island. However, having been repeatedly shit on by men throughout their lives, because <laughs> that was definitely a theme in the original film, mm-hmm. the women who survived the uprising decided to form an all-female society. Okay. So again, this yeah. is really ripping off Wonder Woman. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> woman, you know, woman Island and Wonder Woman. Basically, that's what I'm imagining here. Completely. Woman Island. Woman Island, yeah. So having been repeatedly shit on by all the men, the women who survived the uprising decide to form an all-female society with Helen as their leader, and she rules with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. The only men allowed on the island are slaves used to fight in the arena, and also for breeding purposes. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the mariners, much like you, he's like, breeding purposes... <laughs> yeah, sounds sound reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's like, yes, we need our daughters to be stronger if we're going to survive. So we use the arena not only as entertainment, but also to identify the strongest prisoners, whose seed is then extracted to breed powerful daughters for the island. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> well, his, his reaction is, well, that doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> and she rolls her eyes and is like, take him back to the cell. So at this point, I'm pulling out a lot of references here, but have you seen the episode of Futurama with um, the, the Amazon tribe? Snooster, yeah, death by yeah. Snooster. <laughs> After lengthy amputations, I, Famputer, have decided the fate of the men. Famputer sentences them to death <laughs> by Snooster. Yeah. yeah! <laughs> what are you, gay? So it's that, basically. Yeah. Oh, I just love gay jokes. Yeah. <laughs> good ones. Good ones, yeah, sure. Good ones give me a look. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she gets taken back to the cell. Unfortunately for the mariner, the whole breeding program isn't what it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. Rather than a life of constant sex, the dryland women have found what we'll call as alternative methods of extraction. Go on. Well, what I've written is that I'm going to draw a veil over this. Aww. Suffice to say, it's not pleasant for anyone involved. <laughs> Anyone. Anyone. Well, maybe the women get kind of a kick out of it, but it's not fun. Why do you have to write that? Because I, I don't want him to have fun in this film. The whole point of this sequel is to... You ruin the whole illusion. Sorry. So, after suffering several months of constant fighting and semen extraction... <laughs> and forced semen extraction... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so there's a montage of him suffering months and months of fighting and enforced semen extraction. And uh, he tries to bond with Enola, who is now the head of the military... Mm-hmm. and Helen's right-hand woman, essentially. So she's almost like the Wonder Woman character, I guess. At first, she also resents him for abandoning them when they needed him most. But over time, she does begin to soften towards him just a little bit. Like, he's still a slave. She's not going to free him, but she's begrudgingly 
Favourite slave. Favourite slave, sure, yeah, absolutely. There's a little bit of a bond there. Mm-hmm. So there also has to be a villain in this film that I've not really covered yet. Okay. Basically, there's going to be a new army of smokers, even larger and more villainous than the last. Is there a leader? Yes, there is. Okay, who are we talking? Well, this is what I was going to get to. So we need someone to lead this army. So who'd be a good modern-day Dennis Hopper replacement? Mm. Samuel L. Jackson. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Who's you going for? I had a few. So first of all, Nicolas Cage. Then I thought maybe too obvious. Too obvious, too crazy. Yeah. Well, you want crazy. Yeah, Dennis he, Hopper was crazy. Yeah, but he's fun crazy. Yeah, true. Then I thought, for similar reasons, Gary Oldman. Mm. Mm. No. But then I settled on a third way, which was John C. Riley. Okay. See, I wouldn't have gone with him. Really? I think he's... I, I don't think he can play evil. Oh, I think he could. I don't think he really has, but he's very good at, like, hamming it up. He is, yeah. But... He's good at, like, rising to the level of the material. Mm. I think he'd be a good oddball choice. Mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson would also work, as would Gary Oldman, but... Mm. I don't know. Gary Oldman's my pick. Fair enough. I'm, I'm sticking with Riley, but... Fine. Sure. You're wrong, but it's fine. Fine. Sure. It, hey, it's my sequel. Yeah, it's fine. So, I said it's fine. Great, good. Yeah. I, I don't... I'm not annoyed, John. Well, I'm glad you're not annoyed. I'm, I'm not annoyed. I'm, I'm glad you're not annoyed, Harry. It would just break my heart. Anyway, so this John C. Riley, or possibly Gary Oldman, <laughs> has gathered all the smokers together into the largest army ever seen in Waterworld. Right. Because, you know, the, the rule of sequels is that they have to be bigger, better, crazier, more. Of course, of course. And he's now plotting an attack on the island. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some subplot of, with him trying to find the location or tracking the mariner's boat that's been left floating when they've looted it, etc. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but for reasons, he has his own, own little plot line that intersects at the end. Yeah. Culminating with the smoker army attacking the island. Right, okay. What sort of defences do the island have? Well, much like the Wonder Women, not much. Okay. It's just strong, fabulous Bo- women. Bows and arrows. Bows and arrows, yeah. Ex- essentially bows and arrows. Mm-hmm. Strong women, bows and arrows. Lots mm-hmm. of training, basically. Okay. So yeah, the film culminates with the smoker army attacks the island on their jet skis. Yeah. And a fierce battle ensues, during which the prisoners are set free by the smokers. Mm-hmm. The majority of the prisoners obviously turn on the Amazonian women and join the smokers. Mm-hmm. The mariner just decides to make his escape. Mm-hmm. He doesn't choose either side. He just, in all the chaos and confusion, he just wants to get on his boat and leave. He yeah. doesn't care about any of this. Yeah. However, as he's sneaking away through the battle scene, he sees John C. Riley attacking Enola. And though she's fighting fiercely, he overpowers her and he's just preparing to cut her down and kill her. So the Mariner has a last minute attack of conscience and he runs in, deflects the final blow and starts fighting the smoker captain himself. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to have Kevin Costner and John C. Riley in a full on highly choreographed fight scene. Okay. Which I think would be pretty fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yada, 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 dramatic fight scene goes on. Yada, yada, yada. I'm trying to get through that it. That is lazy I know. writing. I'm sorry, do you want me to do through it in every frame at this no, point? No, no, it's kind of okay. So, keep going. dramatic fight scene. After being rescued by Kevin Costner, Enola rallies the women and they, man- they manage to get the strength to fight back. And they beat back the smoker army. And in a dramatic conclusion, the mariner manages to hurl John C. Riley off a cliff where he inexplicably explodes in a giant fireball <laughs> as soon as he hits the water. <laughs> Just because. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you got a director attached to this? I'm pretty sure Bay is involved. Maybe, okay, you know, yeah. Someone right. like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe Joel Schumacher, you know, one of those. <laughs> Roland Emmerich, yeah. Independence Day. Absolutely. Someone in that vein, 100%. <laughs> so the film ends with the Empress and the Mariner in an uneasy truce. In return for saving her adopted daughter's life, she grants him his freedom. Mm-hmm. He apologises for being such a massive shit to her in the original movie and sails off into the sunset again. And then the credits roll, much like the first film, with him just sailing away, sail away, sail away. Maybe any plays. Sail away, sail away. 
And yeah, credits. But then there's a post-credit scene. Okay. Nine months later, oh, one of the warrior wo- <laughs> one of the warrior women is in labor. Mm-hmm. Aided by Enola and the Empress, she pushes out a child. And as they examine the new baby, they see that behind his tiny little ears are gills. And then boom, film ends. Oh, what a cliffhanger. Mm. That's setting up the sequel for number three. Son of the Mariner. Son of the Mariner. Son of the Mariner. Okay. So, who's that for? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's got more appeal than the original in some ways. Yeah. Again, because basically, one of the things about Waterworld is it is a complete Mad Max ripoff. It's a huge, oh, yeah. huge Mad Max ripoff. Yeah. So I really basically went in all in on that with just like, well, what have I ripped off a Mad Max sequel? Mm-hmm. So loads of this is just ripped off from um, Beyond Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. And then I also threw in a bit of Wonder Woman because, again, I like the idea of the women because they got so much shit in the first film, like taking back power. So I thought, what if Dryland became like this? It became like Wonder Woman Island. So it just it all just came from that, basically. So Yeah, reasonable. Any questions? I don't think so. Tell me more about the sequel, Son of the Mariner. Well, maybe that sequel is that the, they managed to raise the son and maybe he goes off in search of his dad. And, you know, he, he gets his own boat. He leaves the island dramatically. Maybe he's the only boy who's allowed to live for whatever reason. Out of, ah. def- out of respect for the mariner. Ah, interesting. Okay. Because I feel like if it's all women, they have to be like killing the men at birth or something. I didn't mm. want to like put too much emphasis on that, mm-hmm. but I feel like that might be what's happening. So the only boy who's not instantly sold into sex slavery or killed is um, this the son of the mariner. Mm-hmm. And so maybe at the end, maybe he decides to strike out on his own. He rebels and he leaves and he takes a boat and he goes off in search of the mariner. And yeah, maybe the film is just him tracking down his old dad and then. Them bonding and going on an adventure together. Sounds good. Yeah. It's got potential. Mm-hmm. It's got legs. Could yeah. be fun. Sea legs, would you say? Mm, I wouldn't go that far. Mm. What you want for the women? We're not for sale. Not for sale. I mean, there's no such thing as no for sale. Not for sale. Not for sale. Eh? <sighs> right. Okay. Okay. Um, mine. I don't know, I kind of, I had like a very, very minimal idea at the start, and it evolves. Okay. Let's just just say that. I'm I'm excited for this. Yeah. I'll be honest, I did do a find and replace at the end. Oh dear God. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to that. (laughs) Okay, so about 20 years later. Sure. Oh, sorry. um, Waterworld 2 with the four elements. Waterworld 2 with the four elements. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. Twenty odd years later, the mariner still marining about and see. Marining about. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. On that boat that he got from the last island, mm-hmm. which now has loads of drawings all over it that he's done. In crayon. Yeah. Cool. The opening scene is just a big action scene where he tries to trade dirt for something very similar to what dirt, the first one. Is it still Kevin Costner? Yeah, yeah. So when you say a big action scene, how is trading a big action scene? Which then ends in a fist fight. Okay. So is this on like one of these atoll kind of market floating market towns? No, I was thinking just like two guys meeting on a boat. Oh, it's another trader meets him in the sea. Mm, yeah. And so he. So it concludes with him sinking their boat and getting away um, in a boat chase with some other people that turns out we're with that guy. Okay. He survives by taking his boat through some kind of mega storm. Exciting. The kind of excitement that this film didn't quite have. Oh, like a. Excitement and peril. Sure. It was like, oh, Kevin Costner can't die. Oh, no. Yeah. Like a. What, what are they called? It's not a twister, a. Um, what, what, a typhoon? Like sure. sailing into a typhoon or something, yeah? I was just thinking it was like a very, very heavy storm at sea. Sure, yeah, that'd be good. You never, it never rained in this film. No, no there were no storms. No, yeah. It absolutely would. There would be storms and very big waves. Totally Do you know so. how big the waves are in the middle of the ocean? Like, currently now, today, in this world? Mm. Big. 
Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to give me a really like, specific answer then. The big, John. The big. <laughs> so imagine how they would be if the entire world was water. Wow, okay. Bigger. Bigger, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Harry's science corner there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he survives through the storm because he's a really good sailor and everybody else dies and whatever. And There's the excitement of the film. Great. Um, I'm excited. I'm on the edge of my seat. Good. At that moment, there was a very loud crack in the sky, followed by two straight lines of fire in the sky and a series of bangs. And then a flying DeLorean appears out of nothing. Oh, okay. Interesting. Wasn't expecting that to... I've gone in a completely different direction. <laughs> Great. Cool. I'm intrigued. So the Mariner just sort of looks up, very confused. And the DeLorean flies around and pulls up alongside his boat. The door opens up and inside... And this is where I did a find and replace instead of Doc. I mean, I ended up with Rick Sanchez for reasons that will become obvious later. Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty? Yeah. Okay, sure. Who I know the character is based on Doc anyway, so... Absolutely, It, it, yeah. it fits. Okay. And he screams, come with me if you want to live. And he's like, what? There's a whole lot of different references. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm fairly fresh out of Ready Player One, so. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) You heard me. Your world is ending very soon. All worlds are. Get in a car now. We can save existence. Quick. We don't have much time. Why? What is about to happen? Well, all all the worlds are ending, but this one is about to end right now. How? Um, the the last living woman is about to end a menopause or something. What? (laughs) This is what Rick would say. This is not me. Sure, sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, you know, perhaps this world end isn't very exciting, but the, 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 world, the world's doomed. Come with me and we can save all the other worlds. Quick, you, just get in now. Okay, okay, okay. So he gets in the car, abandoning his boat. I think Rick How Sanchez is one of your better impersonations. I was thinking that too. Yeah. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, I can't burp on cue and I've not written much swearing in this, but, okay. you know. I think it's the, the babbling. Mm. Yeah. And the hesitations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works. I could do this. Yeah. All right. All my ideas from now on. Are going to be Rick and Morty related. Yeah. Great. That's what the world needs. (laughs) (laughs) So the Mariner gets in the car, abandoning his boat, and Rick puts his foot down to the metal and accelerates up to 88 miles per hour until the flux capacitor kicks in and fires them into a different world. I didn't need to read read, read all that out, did I? Well, you did. Is Morty with them or is it just Rick and the Mariner? It's just Rick. Okay. There's no Morty in this. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I can't do Morty. Oh, okay. (laughs) Dad, Rick, uh, uh, is, that, is that good? I think, I think if you committed a bit more, you could do it. Sure. He's not in it anyway. So, no. they then go to a different world. Okay. And they arrive in this world, which uh, is the polar opposite of where they just came from. The whole world is seemingly a desert. There is nothing to be seen for miles apart from a distant car chase. They get closer and see an entire war party of heavily modified vehicles, all tracing a small car at the front, just out of firing range. Mm-hmm. So, Rick pulls up to this car matches his speed and direction while telling the mariner to get into one of the back three seats right he opens the door and starts shouting similar nonsense to Mad Max all the worlds are about to end and I, I, I need your help to fix it really when when and how is this world going to end look around you your, your world ended like a hundred years ago it's a wonder anybody's still alive just get in the car I, I, I don't believe you fine and so then Rick speeds off into a portal and comes back two seconds later I just went back in time and upgraded the engines of everybody who's tracing you. They're, they're, they're all about to catch you, like, immediately. So get in my car now and stop becoming a human blood bag or whatever. And so Max opens his door and jumps into the DeLorean. Okay, so now it's Mad Max and the Mariner. Yeah. Cool, okay. Like the crossover that was inevitable in many ways. Yeah. yeah. And Rick says, take a seat back with the other dehydrated guy. <laughs> so they go on to the next world. Okay. So there's four worlds in here. Okay, cool. Um, they go into the next world. This time they're they're not on Earth. They're in space. Right. Okay. Driving extremely fast towards the sun, and uh, they approach a ship that has a giant dish on the front. 
So he pulls up next to the airlock, opens the door, and just jumps out. Maybe there's a gas field or something. I don't know. Okay. He lets himself into the ship and goes to the main control deck, where he finds... I've forgotten the, the character's name. Cillian Murphy. Killian Murphy. Fine. From Killian. Sunshine. Yeah. Okay. So we're doing Sunshine. Great. Um, okay. Similar spiel. All the world's going to end, and I need your help to save them. God, I'm getting sick of saying this today. <laughs> but I'm just about to save the world. So is, is this Sunshine at the moment in which he's about to... He kind of... Yeah, fly into yeah. the sun, sure. Yeah, pretty much. No, you're not. A nuclear explosion event isn't going to set off at the exact right moment, which is impossible, by the way. It'll do absolutely nothing to a dying sun. The sun will just lose energy, expand, go supernova, and destroy your life in the solar system. No, no, this will help. No, just give me a whiteboard. And so then two minutes later, <laughs> Silly Murphy and Rick get into the DeLorean. <laughs> After he's written the whole schematic on the yeah. whiteboard. Great. Like it. And Rick gestures to the back seat. Okay, I have a question. Yep. Is this a Who's Framed Roger Rabbit style mix of live action and animation? Or are we having what? someone play yeah. Rick and yeah. Morty? Yeah, let's just do that. So Rick is a cartoon Rick. Yeah. And maybe he'll make a joke about it. Mm. Yeah, I like it. That works. That's much better. Mm-hmm. Rick dresses to the back seat. This is salty and dusty. They're both crazy, but <laughs> they're best friends dusty. now. Guys, this is uh, sweaty. He's, he's in love with a doomed fireball. Right, one more stop. Salty, <laughs> dusty, dusty and, sweaty. and sweaty. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, they go through another portal and end up outside LA in the 90s. Okay. All right, let's take a little break and watch for a bit. And they park on top of the hill with a great view of the city and watch as one of the ships from Independence Day comes out of the sky and hovers above the city for a while and then blows it up. Oh, great. Nice, says Rick. And then somebody else says, well, weren't you supposed to pull a guy out of that before it all happened so we can go and save the world? Nah, he wasn't there. I just wanted to watch that. <laughs> and, you say and you say we're crazy? <laughs> uh, okay, let's just go get him. And so they go out to Area 51 and they stop outside and they collect Will Smith. Right, okay. As Captain Stephen Hiller. That's what he was called. In Independence Day? Yeah. Sure. Not that anybody remembers the characters' names. No. It wasn't important. So is he wind? If you've had fire, you've had dust, earth... Dust, yeah. you've had water. Yeah. How is Will Smith wind? Oh, I remember it as being air. Air, air well, yeah. Because he's a good pilot. Oh, sure. Okay, okay, fine. That does, fine. I was going to go with uh, Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Okay. But yeah. uh, that made just no sense with anything I'm doing here. Okay, sure. Need to keep this tight internal logic flowing. Also, like, end of the world sort of stuff. Sure, sure, sure. That's generally what I'm going for here. Okay, cool. Okay, so Rick says, if you get in this flying car, I have a super weapon which will blow up their mothership. Will Smith's like, really? How? I'm not doing Goldsmith. Yeah, probably for the best. <laughs> that one I will <laughs> I, not encourage. I, 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 need, I need to know you can do this before I trust you. Uh, we, we have a plan, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to fly up in a ship which nobody has flown before and then infect a super advanced spaceship from another world using a computer virus coded in a few minutes using a laptop from the 90s. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what indeed? Uh, okay, fine. So how does the super weapon of yours work? Give me a whiteboard. Right, and one minute later... They return to the DeLorean and fly off into another portal. Are these whiteboard scenes just going to be cutscenes? Yeah, yeah, really. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe cutscene with one minute later coming up on screen. Sure, 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 yeah. <laughs> so they go off into another portal. Wait, aren't we blowing up the mothership? No, 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 I just couldn't think of a reason to get you on my card. Need you to help me with something. But who's going to save Earth? Oh, you're a bone either way. Your plan would have failed, and before you ask, I don't have a supergun or whatever. So what, what, what do you need us for? Well, essentially, there's an evil version of me trying to take over the world, and so... Oh. Have you have any of you seen the film The Fifth Element? <laughs> and the Mariner says, "There haven't been films in centuries, but I've seen an underwater cinema one time." Will Smith says, "Oh yeah, I've seen trailers for that movie, but it's not out yet." 
<laughs> Cillian Murphy's like, oh yeah, I love that movie. It's great. And Mad Max is like, what's a film? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I like it. All right. What a crowd. Um, what shows on underwater cinema? As in just he swam past one. Oh, right. Not like the little mermaid is no. <laughs> I like what you're going, no, but, yeah. uh, you know, good energy. But yeah. no. Oh, all right. What a crowd. Well, um, there's a bit at the end where they get all the elements together including the fifth element, I guess, and it creates a beam of light into the sky which destroys a meteor or something. Cillian says, well, that sounds convoluted. It's like, yeah, so I've got to do all here. Mariner, you're supposed to be the hero of water. Max, you're like Earth or something. Uh, Hiller, I guess you're wind. <laughs> I'm sensing you losing enthusiasm for your own idea as you're reading this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, other guy, you're fire, I guess. Um, my, my plan is to put you all together and use you against my evil self. And so he gets out a photo of his evil self to show them, who mm-hmm. is obviously exactly the same Rick Sanchez, but with like loads of facial scars, shaved head, and an eye patch. Sure. Just classic evil. Classic. Yeah, evil Rick, yeah. The gang agree that mm, yeah, he's evil. <laughs> and, well, they mainly agree they're completely lost, and so out of confusion, decide to go with it. Sure. They arrive in the city where evil Rick lives, then march up to his house. Rick whispers, you guys are the best theoretical super weapon there is. And he has no idea we're coming. All four of you put your hands together like this and direct the energy you, you produce here towards this garage door. I'll open it and then you fire. So the door is instructed and Rick opens the door where evil Rick is supposed to be waiting. The door opens and inside is Rick holding a big mirror. The mirror deflects the energy straight back at the four heroes and obliterates them all. Okay. Evil Rick gets into a fist fight with himself, which after a while he loses and he gets pulverized. Cut to black. We then pick up back. So, what evil Rick died or good Rick? Died? Oh, good Rick died. Good Rick died. Okay. Cut to black, and we then pick up back in Waterworld. Rick flies the car next to the Mariner's boat, and then he, there's a whole spiel, and the Mariner jumps in the car, and it's repeating itself a little bit. Sure. The camera zooms out completely and reveals this whole thing was in the mind of a version of evil Rick, currently in the machine with lasers pulsing at his head. There is a good Rick and Morty standing there looking at him, and Rick says, "Ah, that should hold him," and then they quietly walk off. End of film? That's, that's the, the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I, I don't really know what, what I went with there. I, I, I'm guessing a passable episode of Rick and Morty. I can see that because it's very self-referential. So yeah. I can see them doing an episode of like, yeah, of like revisiting classic 90s films. I think mean, mm-hmm. actually that's pretty fun. So initially that was supposed to be Doc in the DeLorean and I brought in all the four characters in you know the way that I did. Mm. Oh, and that, did you find a place to make it work? Yeah, well, at that point, I was like, I don't know what's next. Mm. I've brought these four elements together or something, but I don't know what the end game is. Yeah. And so. What was the end game? Because they just got obliterated. Like... Oh, the end game, what? Well, the whole thing was a dream, essentially. The whole sure, thing sure. was just a distraction for Evil Rick. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Just, I don't know. Okay. No, I feel like I'd make a good episode of Rick and Morty. I'm very tense right now. Why? I think my Rick impression is just like tense up and. Just oh, tense oh, up. Oh, oh, guys, come on, we gotta just, just do this. Oh. And well, take a deep breath. Relax. My heart hurts. Oh, relax, calm down. <laughs> So, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I liked it. It was interesting. I can definitely see that as a good Rick and Morty episode. Um, I wish I'd burped halfway through. Like, we burp all the way through this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a single for, burp then. For one, I mean, you've drunk <laughs> enough beer, like, you should have one brewing in you, but... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, nothing? Nope, nothing at all. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Can't even burp on cue. Uh, I don't think I've got any questions, particularly. So, listener submissions? Mm-hmm. Great. So, we had a lot this week. Jeremy Moran said, Waterworld 2020, still wet after all these years. <laughs> okay. Cool, yeah. Kyle Davidson, 
suggested Mad Max Rise of the Mariner. Mm-hmm. So again, lots of Mad Max Solid. Waterworld. Yep. Yeah. Asobi de Tora said, Waterworld 2 mostly consists of the Mariner adjusting to life on the land. Though he has access to clean water, he only likes drinking his filtered pee-pee. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a running fe- going to be a running theme, I feel. Of, uh... mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Andy Martin said, Pepsi World. The water is Pepsi now. Yep. That'd be great for product placement. Yeah. Emily Aguila raised the stakes entirely and she just posted a picture of Spice World. <laughs> like it, like it. J. Alex Boyd just replied, fuck it, Fire World. <laughs> How does that work? God only knows. <laughs> Are they on the sun? I like the intensity. That would definitely be a Michael Bay kind of thing, though. Mm. It's fire. Adam Danoff said, Jello World, which sounds delightful. A world made of jello. You'd get bored of it very quickly. You would, yeah, true. How would you sail? Very slowly. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> I think you'd just sink. Yeah. I don't even think you'd float in jello. Well, no, it's, it's pretty thick. You'd probably, like, just be stuck in it. I don't know, would you sink? Would you just be able to bounce? There's got to be videos on YouTube of this. Let's just check, jello swimming let's just check your Twitter feed the last time you looked at, you know, giant ice cube dropped into a big bowl of jello or something. Mm, yeah, I've, I've done that. Sure. Vanessa Riley just said, wetter world. Okay. Yeah. Where's that going? don't know. Tom Schroeder said, ice world. Matthew Lucan said, things have really gotten a lot better in Sparkling Waterworld. <laughs> All oceans are fizzy or what? I guess it's just like nice sparkling water, like Mountain right. Dew, I don't know. Mm. Sparkling means fizzy, you know that, right? Yes, I know. Okay. Uh, Heather Watson said, West Waterworld. Okay. A theme park in which you can swim around and get sexy with fishmen and punch sharks. Hmm. So I guess it's just Westworld, but water, yeah. like it. That's a crossover that could happen. Yeah. Because they do say they're going to have extra worlds. It's like Samurai World, isn't it, in this series, allegedly. So, I don't think that of all the things they're going to pick is... A, a disastrous <laughs> 90s action film. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Chris Gobert said, Condensation World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gabriella Canada said, Moist World. Ooh. It's less flooded, but everyone still finds it very unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Ira Ray said, Steam World. All the water turns to steam and everyone gets third degree burns. Okay. Yeah. mm, Jeremy Poole said... You've got some issues there. Jeremy Poole said, Mud World. The water recedes, but everything's still pretty wet. Yep. Yep. Ben Cohen said, John Waters World, which I like. He's a director. Okay. One day we're going to do Pink Flamingos, and that's going to be fun. He also did Hairspray. Have you ever seen Hairspray? No. No. Okay. Many John Waters films to choose from. Brando Calavision, great name, Hmm. said, Water Universe. All dark matter in the universe turns into water. And there's also zombies for some reason, so... Sure. Brian Chamberlain said, This sequel starts out not long after the first movie. Mariner, Kevin Costner, and Helen, Jean Triplehorn, uh, have a baby together, and it turns out to be a mutant child. Cut to years later, Kevin Costner is old and doesn't come back to dry land very often. After over a decade, he comes back for an awkward reunion. Maybe he runs afoul of some new smokers and needs some help. And they follow him back to dry land, take over, and kill everyone. This is not dissimilar to my idea. So Kevin Costner escapes with his estranged, partially mutant son or daughter, who's never lived on the ocean before. And the old man Kevin Costner has to figure out how to survive, take revenge, and live with the family. So, similar to my son of the Mariner idea, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joshua Thomas Aradu said, The smokers have now become a drug cartel, and Kevin Costner reprises his role to become a bodyguard since his pee-drinking problem won't let him do any other work. <laughs> and treasure hunting doesn't pay what it used to. So the smokers kidnap the kid that he has learned to care for, and it turns out the kid's father paid the cartel to kidnap her for insurance money, or something. And Kevin Costner goes on a killing and torture spree to get her back, eventually trading his life for hers. Mm-hmm. The title, Man on Fire on Water. <laughs> Have you seen that Denzel Washington film, Man on Fire? No. Dakota Fanning? Anyway. 
Uh, heavy Metal Horrorcast, at HMHcast. Ice Ice Baby World. Mm-hmm. Inspired by Elsa from Frozen. Vanilla Ice, the rapper, transforms Waterworld into a vast glacial terrain, asserting himself as the ruling authority. First order of business, all subjects must wear hammer pants. Refusal to do so results in death. This doesn't work for Kevin Costner because A, he can't get those pants over his webbed feet. <laughs> and B, hammer pants are so 90s man, not appropriate for post-apocalyptic wastelands. To get beyond this fashion faux pas and return orders to dystopia, Kevin Costner calls in a dynamic duo to defeat the megalomaniacal rapper, his once collaborator, now nemesis, DJ Earthquake, and the stupid polar bear from the Muller Rice adverts. <laughs> that had a lot of references. Uh, Ross from Two Geeks, Two Movies. Ross Person. Mm, no, not said, him again. He's, he's very much uh, inserting himself into this episode. Uh, how about Dirt World? All the same action and scrabbling over resources, but do it in the dirt. Maybe we get Tom Hardy or Mel Gibson to play the lead. Perhaps he could be furious about something. <laughs> Spotting a theme there. Uh-huh. Uh, Blokebusters, at Blokebusters. Earth, Wind and Fire World. A post-apocalyptic setting where, for no reason, Earth, Wind and Fire songs play in a constant loop and someone tries to find out why. <laughs> like okay. that a lot. Yep, yep. The Contrarians, at Contrarian Prime. Jurassic Water World. You thought running in heels was tough? Try swimming in heels. Also, Dennis Hopper's got nothing on dinosaurs, so... <laughs> I like that idea a lot. And finally, Think Outside the Box Set at TOTBS Podcast. The Waterboy World. Kevin Costner wanders through a wasteland populated only by clones of Adam Sandler. Oh, man. Oh, the horror. Yeah. I don't want to see that film. But good idea. Yeah. Are all the clones doing the same thing? Are they working in probably, unison? Or? Probably just shouting and making underwhelming, gross-out comedies. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least he could play his own twin without actually playing his own twin. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good work, yeah. I'm sure Jack and Jill will be in there, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, so those are our listeners' submissions for that week. Thank yep. you guys. Very, very good. If you have any sequel ideas for Waterworld or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us on beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, you name it, we're probably on it. Uh, Google Play as well. You can also support us on Patreon. Just go to Patreon forward slash Beyond the Box Set. And we have merchandise available on tpublic.com. Again, just search Beyond the Box Set. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review because it really helps us find new listeners. And next week, Harry, after a, a nice little run of, uh, you know, just you and me, we've got another bloody guest on. Oh, no. I oh, know. You've ruined yeah. it. So tell us about the guest we've got on. Right. I arranged this bloody guest because he is a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. You know him way more than I do. All right. And you've talked to him about coming on the show at some point. Yes. But you've never actually invited him. True. We've been talking about this for over a year, John. True. Why yeah, this is not, a long... why, why, why have you not had him on? This is a long time coming. We'll, we'll find out when the episode dares, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so, no. yeah. I, finally, I finally took it unto myself to... Uh, to reach out. To get the job done and type the words, Hey, James, would you like to come on the show? Yeah. So it, it, was re- it was really hard to type that sentence, actually. Yeah. Like, I, I can understand why you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It's quite hard to type those letters in order. Sure, yeah. So, um... Yeah, next week we're doing uh, Treasure Planet. Yes, we are doing Treasure Planet with James Mason, who is, in fact, has a PhD in film studies and he specialised in Disney. He is quite literally Dr. Disney. Yes. Yeah, so and I'm... he's going to talk about a rare Disney film with no sequels, which is Treasure Planet. Yes, I've already seen this and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's got to say about this. Cool. Because I do not know what path he's going to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've not seen it yet, but I'm interested to, to find out. It's a, it's a talker. Good. I'm looking forward to it then. So yeah, join us next week mm-hmm. for Treasure Planet. That's going to be a good one. With special guest, Dr. Disney. <laughs> is that what he goes by? He doesn't style himself that way, but let's face it, that's what he is. That's what I like to call him. <laughs> so yeah, please join us next week for Treasure Planet. And until then, thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.